on this Friday morning on what looks to be a spectacular weekend here in Indianapolis. And good morning to all of you. This is Kevin and Query. Kevin Bowen back on Monday after paternity leave this week. His son Max being born, I believe, a week ago today, if I'm not mistaken. But Yeah, I think it was 3 a.m. last Friday. Friday, yeah. Um, but I would like to know this. Last night, a good-looking Thursday, I was with a tutor, by the way, for three hours yesterday for algebra. Who's more tired of that, you or them? Undoubtedly, I think the tutor kind of enjoys it. Um, definitely, though, was uh, had a had our first had my first midterm, by the way, uh-huh. uh, with the tutor, with me. Feel confident with that or no? Oh, it's already been graded. Yeah, I know what I got. I that, said, I was like, listen, this is going to be like, I, I, I'm doing all of the problems here. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 82. Hey, that's solid. I mean, I'll take it, right? Um, you and me both in math, I would take an 82 man, all day, every day. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's rough. But uh, I would like to know how much you watched last night of the Chiefs and Chargers. And there are a couple of, there's a lot that we can talk about with that game, but a couple of reasons I'm asking. But how much did you watch? Start to finish. Okay. You knew who is the big you knew who was the big winner last night? Jeff Bezos. Aside from Jeff Bezos. It was a really good production. Yeah. I thought it was a it felt very like a really big game. I think the players involved, including Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, those guys being involved with the broadcast really elevated it. I no mean doubt. it was a huge game, but it just had a big a big game feel. So that was a very solid presentation, I thought. Definite upgrade of Thursday night football from your, you know, the the NFL Network flat games of like Jets and Browns. You Color know, rush. Um, that's right. Couple of things here. Number one, Justin Herbert is a dude. Man, he is a heck of a player. They've got a lot of a lot of weapons. Do the Chargers? Um, I realize Kansas City won the game, and I realize Kansas City is Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes is obviously unbelievable. But there is like little doubt in my mind that sometime this week we're going to read that Justin Herbert has either cracked ribs or some sort of a significant injury. He could barely move his arm, and he made a throw on a fourth down that was unbelievable. I mean, I, I – I very rarely say out loud, like, whoa. And I said, I was like, look at that throw. Like, it, I mean, he put it right and right where it needed to be on a late fourth down, across the middle. Really good player. But, and that was right after the play where he couldn't even run for one yard. Correct. He tried to correct. run and he just threw the ball away because he grabbed his side because he hurt. So I was like, oh, man, they might need to take him out in the very next place, throwing a strike like 30 yards downfield. And I was like, what the hell was that? Yeah. I mean, but. I'll tell you who the big winner was last night. And I never thought about this until I was watching the game. And it was for those that are, and by the way, good morning to you. My name is Jake Corey. That is Mark Dykton. Sam Fritz here as well. It is Kevin and Corey on a Friday, as I'd mentioned here on 93.5107.5, the fan. Watching the game on Amazon Prime. Now, I, I think most people probably do have probably a lot of people have Amazon Prime Video that don't even realize they have it because they have an Amazon Prime membership for shopping purposes, if you will. Uh, but 
I didn't know really what to expect. I will admit to the fact that, you know, I've obviously watched a ton of stuff on streaming. I've watched Netflix. I've watched, uh, for that matter, I, I can't remember what series it was. There was one show that I watched exclusively on Amazon Prime, The Kindness Diaries, maybe. Um, maybe Atypical. I can't remember what I watched that on. But to watch a live event like that, I thought maybe it would look like buffered or streamed. It didn't. I mean, it literally was like I was watching a regular TV channel. And I know people listening are probably like, dude, how old are you? But the one big winner in all of it, advertisers. Mm -hmm. Because once you go on there, it takes too long to jump out and come back. And so I do realize there probably is some... It probably does hurt in terms of television ratings, like the the, the tune in and tune out, as we call it, where they can tell you're, if you're surfing, you can see it. But it takes too long to get out of your app and go into regular channels and then come back on and then da- and then reopen it. And it, you know, it buffers for a second and da da da. Like once you're there, you're there. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I haven't watched too many Cubs games because I don't have marquee. So I have to use the app to get to it and everything. And if I jump into a Cubs game, I have to load it, get in there. And then it's like, well, if they go to commercial, I would usually have to jump out to another app, go to YouTube TV or something to watch something else. It's like it's such a hassle. So I've kind of gotten away from it. It's like, ah, Cubs aren't very good this year, this and that. I just, I've kind of stayed away from it just because it involves so much app jumping. But yeah, I, I jumped into Amazon Prime and I stayed in there from the start of the game to the end. I had a couple buffering issues um, at one point. I, I tweeted out, I said, anyone else having these issues? Because it buffered. And then I was like, okay, like, I was, I had some live bets going. And stuff was, like, going final before the play had happened. I'm like, okay, I must be behind. And I jumped ahead. And right when I jumped ahead, like, the second half had started. So I skipped right over halftime. I was like, wow, I was way behind. Wow, you must have been. That's yeah, no so surprise I, so there, right? So I jumped out, jumped back in, and then I got, I got caught up. So I was like, I don't know what that was, but. By the way, in assessing and evaluating both Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, I didn't realize this. There apparently is a – and this is the stuff that drives me crazy. Jason sent it to me. He knows it drives me crazy. There's always some new analytic deep stat. Some of this is just made-up crap, right? Let me some give you the – I know. This, I, who's, who are looking these up in the first place? This is made-up crap right here. Are you ready? The NFL leader in big-time throw percentage after week one. Trey Lance at 6.9%. Big time throw percentage. Thank you for asking. According to Pro Football Focus, big time throw is best described as a pass with excellent ball location and timing, generally thrown further down the field and or into a tighter window. Okay. Uh, Okay. I mean. (laughs) Well, I think Pro Football Focus, it's a nice tool to have in your toolbox, but it's not your, it shouldn't be your only tool. Because pro, pro football focus, I think while, while it has some good data, I think there's tool some stuff. Is the, key word. the way they grade their quarterbacks is random. Like I think coming out of week one, Patrick Mahomes, who threw for five touchdowns and no interceptions, was like the eighth highest rated quarterback. Like eighth highest. Well, the other thing too is it. it I you know listen, it, it, sure, great, it's a great tool. It also gives like a gabillion armchair quarterbacks, this false sense of understanding of expertise in the game. 
you know, the right guard, his uh, his footwork actually is, is off-center on 7.7% of snaps, and that rates is a 72.4. Okay. Yeah, and I never understand how they're grading everybody. Like, this is what this guy's grade was. It's like, well, how do you know what the protection was in that right, yeah, specific I mean, play, what his actual duties were? It's just it's, it's bizarre. A lot to talk about this morning. We're going to talk plenty about the Colts getting set for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a bigger game than one would think. And look, they're all just one game. But sometimes they can be trajectory or fork in the road type games. And I know that sounds crazy this early in the year, uh, and it probably is. But this does have added significance, I believe, Mark, just because of the, for lack of a better phrase, um, I'm going to call it, okay, I'll use a pro football focus term. You ready? This is an O squared. Okay. You'll have to Does dive, it, dive well, in on that one. What's that? Dive in on Doesn't that Doesn't mean one. dioxide. This okay. is an O squared game, though. It's a new Jake Query term. Right now on Twitter, social media, whatever it is, if you want to use an O squared, just say like, yeah, Jake said this is an O squared game. That's fine. My permission. Okay. This is an O squared game. Owner obsessed. I can't overstate it. How much... Jim Irsay has been around football since the beginning of time, okay? He's been around football. He was a – I mean, he literally was like stacking towels at the age of 15 in an NFL locker room. He – He lives and breathes it. Correct. He played it in college. He's run with the big boys. He's in the weight room back when he was a younger guy. He was in weightlifting competitions. He, I mean, you name it. Jim Irsay, when it comes to football – that's his thing, right? He's been around it his whole life. And he does know the game of football. He has seen disappointments. Jim Irsay was around and might have even been the general manager when they went to Cleveland and lost in the very first playoff game as the Indianapolis Colts. Jim Irsay was there when Mike Vanderjet shanked his kick. Jim Irsay was there when Aaron Bailey dropped the pass from Jim Harbaugh. He didn't really drop it. It just kind of, you know, Hail Mary. When Cordell Stewart came out of the end zone and came back in and they counted it a touchdown, Jim Irsay was there. Jim Irsay was there for countless drizzly nights in Foxborough, including Deflategate. He's seen disappointment. He's seen triumph. He's seen disappointment. So going into a stadium, the final week of a season and losing a game, not necessarily anything that he has not experienced before. But going into a stadium with what he thinks is the transitional franchise quarterback with the playoffs on the line into a rival game, I say rival, divisional rival game against a historically bad team with a rookie quarterback and laying a total goose egg and getting embarrassed and being the laughing stock of the league in Jacksonville has been beyond a disappointment with Jim Irsay. It has been an obsession since. You'd be hard-pressed to interview Jim Irsay about last year without him mentioning it. And he's not wrong. No. Not wrong at all. But Jim Irsay, this team is built, tweaked, probably a better word, almost entirely and exclusively to make up for the Jacksonville debacle a year ago. And here now is fire up the Bunsen burners. This is your litmus test to see where you've come in your experiment. And does the injury report from yesterday give you any concern heading into Sunday? Did you happen to see that? I did. 
How do you um, think Jim Irsay is feeling about that one this morning? There were two notables. One I don't think is huge. I could be wrong. Michael Pittman Jr. not practicing yesterday with a quad injury. Went from limited on Wednesday to DNP yesterday. Same goes for Kenny Moore. DeForest Buckner still did not play. Alec Pierce, limited play. He'd been, he's upgraded from DNP to limited as he's in concussion protocol. And then the, I think the other one you're saying is good is Shaquille Leonard, a second straight day of full practice. If I'm Jim Mercy, the one thing I'm asking, and I think Jim Mercy probably knows this, I, I listen, wide receiver, it's not like you go into target, which, by the way, I went into Target yesterday to get some light bulbs. Uh-huh. You could spend hours in Target, couldn't oh. you? My wife will be like, I just had to do a return. And it's like an hour and a half later. I'm like, where the hell are you? She's like, ah, it's at Target. I got, I, they suck me in. It is unbelievable. Like, I don't know why. Like, marketing, Target is the prime example of marketing and the fact that basically anything you get there just looks and feels kind of cool, right? Yeah. And you're. I think it's also because like they have like the, the dollar, like, Look at these bargains right here, right in the front of the store. I wonder what else is back there. And then all of a sudden you're in the toy department. Oh, yeah. You're you're playing with, like, Nintendo Switch and everything, and then you're like, oh, I need milk. And then you go there, and you're like, oh, yeah, Doritos are on sale. Oh, pizza rolls. I could go for those. <laughs> Pretty soon you're like, I went here, spent, I, I returned to get some money back, and I spent, like, another right. 200 bucks here. Well, the one thing they didn't have was a wide receiver aisle. Because there are a lot of wide receivers in the NFL, but you don't just walk in and find them. And... You know, there's a difference between having a guy that plays the position and having a guy, right? And the Colts have plenty of guys that play the position. Who knows whether or not any of them are a guy? Pittman looks pretty good. I think we know he's pretty good. But if he's not able to go, I, I think Jim Mercer understands that. But at the same time, he's probably saying to himself, you know, I've heard the radio where Chris Ballard mocks that that one radio fella for talking about wideouts, but here we are. Our our first and second options probably through the air are dinged up. Who are we going with? Who are we going with? Paris I mean, Campbell, it looks like. And he may be, we'll see. This might be his time to shine, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to find out. It, listen, I think Pittman's going to play, frankly. I mean. Full I mean, or limited snaps? How many times do we see it, Mark, where over the course of the week you're like, oh, man, you get worried, and then Sunday rolls around, and you're like, yeah, I, he looks fine. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not necessarily, like, completely hitting some panic freakout button. But but nonetheless. It'll um, be interesting to see what happens in today's practice. Because if he's out again, then the flag starts going up. By the way, can I ask a, a question that's not related to sports? And it's not a hot take at all. I, I, I literally just didn't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Have they had a funeral yet for the queen? I believe so. I think it's ongoing. I don't think it's stopped. But, I mean, is has she been lower? I mean, is is she wherever her final resting place so. is? Is it is it there? I think so. Are you sure? I don't know. My wife's all up in the uh, royal family situation. I'm not. I think I could text that her. That seems to me to be – the royal family seems to be like the fantasy football for predominantly women, right? Like, they're they're invested. And guys are like, I don't, I don't really get it. And I would I – would, here's the thing. I would normally like joke about and mock that obsession, but how many things are there with guys that guys are like totally obsessed with where the women are like, dude, really? Like what like if I it would be 
I would sit here and say, like, why do women care so much about the royal family? Except for that I'm like, yeah, but then again, I talk, I get paid to talk three hours a day about the wide receiver position of the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I was watching, right? I was watching Chargers Chiefs last night in the living room, and my wife came home from work, and she watched a little bit, and then she disappeared with my youngest daughter, and I'm like, okay, like maybe trying, trying to put her down for bed. So I walked in the bedroom, and all of a sudden she's watching TV. I'm like, what are you watching? Okay, like, no, hold oh, on. The, the Crown. So, so Sean just sent me the funeral's Monday. Th- that was this past Monday or this Monday? I don't know. It's going to be this upcoming Monday. She's currently at where she will be resting at Westminster Place. But she's lying in wait for four Is it days. Westminster or Westminster? Uh, hold on. I may have messed that up. West, I don't know. Westminster. Okay. Uh, no dancing around it, Jake, says Gary. This game at Jacksonville for the Colts is a must win. I mean, they can survive if they lose it. Don't get me wrong. But they'd put themselves in a decent hole, Man, right? If they lose, though, if you go 0-1-1 to start the season, my goodness. <laughs> I mean... Talk about a and gut then you punch. Got, then you got what, Kansas City up next? Kansas City up next, then the Titans in week four. So, yeah, this thing could snowball. And I can't even imagine what the, the phone lines will be like on Monday. If they if we're coming back on Monday and they're like, ah, Colts lost to the Jaguars, streak keeps rolling. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Do you got big plans for the weekend? Uh, Not too crazy. We are running up to Illinois just for a day uh, to do this. And this is, again, full, you can tell we're in full fall season because my wife has a us going to this pumpkin patch like fall area up in uh, Homer Glen, Illinois. It is pretty cool. It's like kind of like a theme park that's only open during the fall and then it closes. It's very fall themed, pumpkins, apples, all that stuff. So we're doing that today and then tomorrow we'll be heading back down to the area. So just a quick drive up, drive back tomorrow. You're going to the, you, you have to go to Illinois to go to the pumpkin patch? Yes. It's a very big deal that's opening weekend at Benston's pumpkin you, patch. Uh, yes, Benson's pumpkin yeah, patch. Yes, gotta get the um, apple cinnamon donuts. It's a good thing they're doing it before Monday because we'll be closed for the Queen's funeral. That's right. Uh, so the pumpkin patch in Illinois, you say it's a big deal, right? You're yeah. going opening weekend. That seems like not because a smart it's strategy. Because discount tickets. So that's the thing. It's the only weekend where it's like discount tickets, and with the family of five, it can get pretty pricey. It's like I, that's fair. It's twenty bucks a pop usually. Twenty bucks saved. No, twenty bucks to go in per person usually. And then how much is it with the discount? Like fifteen. Okay, so you're, you're saving twenty five bucks. That's fine. I got the Facebook promo code. <laughs> got a kid here under three. <laughs> you spend a lot of time on the book of faces, do you? Oh yeah. Well, my wife does. But yeah, but that and then yeah, sometimes we're like, ah, hey, you fudge the numbers on on the middle one. No, she's two. She's not three. Getting for free too. Do they ID that kind of thing? No. I've always wondered. No. Like when they say kids eight and under are free. Is it on it? Like, are you I mean, on unless the your kid's like clearly not under, you know, if they're clearly like five, then you're not going to pull them off for two. But like, if you're going to Disney World and you have like a three year old, you're like, yeah, she's two. What about 12 and under? I mean, again, if they don't have a learner's Like, have permit, you seen some of these fine. little league teams? Yeah. If, I mean, if your kid's got a mustache at 13, you might want to they, right. they trim that a little bit, Charlie. <laughs> you got your driver's license. We don't want to pay full there. price here. By the way, yeah, uh, one other thing, and then uh, on the show today, by the way, Greg Rakestraw going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. So, too, Mike DiRocco down in Jacksonville. We'll get kind of the Jaguars' standpoint, their viewpoint, if you will, uh, their health standpoint, for that matter, on what to expect from Jacksonville for the Colts on Sunday. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, at 9 o'clock. Uh, when I was leaving yesterday, the Tudor, I- I'm walking out in-, in the parking lot where I was meeting with the Tudor. A guy pulls up. 
and a late model. When you say late model, does that mean recent or does that mean older? Late model means more recent, right? I think so. So it was an older, an older Jaguar. I don't know. Wouldn't wouldn't that be older? I don't know. Well, this guy was driving an older Jaguar. And by the way, yesterday we did learn uh, Jaguars and Panthers, the difference, right? Oh, yeah? All Jaguars are Panthers. That was the first 90 minutes of your tutor lesson. (laughs) That's right. I've never seen this before. There are four parking spots, right? And every once in a while you'll see somebody that will, like, kind of straddle two spots because they don't, you know, they'll slightly diagonal or whatever. This guy parked his car. It was like a geometry lesson. But he parked his car in a diagonal fashion where – each tire was in a different parking spot, taking up four parking spots. I mean, that's just that's a d bag. So he gets out of the car. He was an older guy. He gets out of the car, and I I literally said, I go, dude, really, seriously? And he says, Do you have a blanking problem? Because if so, you can eat blank. Wow. I'm like, really? And he says, I'm tired of my car getting dinged up. And it was like a 20 year old Jaguar. I mean, it was okay. And I go, well, there's like a whole row back here where you can park literally completely by yourself. Well, that's easier access for it to get messed with. And then I'm thinking like, he can't be all there, right? Because I got news for you. If I was a 15-year-old kid, I'm not saying I ever would have been this kid, but if I was a 15-year-old kid, zero chance I'm not messing with the guy whose car is parked over four oh, spots yeah. like that, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the guy where you're like, this it's, guy, you're who's screaming. this entitled ass? Correct. So then I look, he's got a paper license plate in the window. Like a dealer, you know, uh-huh. like I just bought it. And yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Because he goes, I've been, you know, for, all, for years, it's been dented and scratched. And I'm like, you just bought it. That guy had an interesting day, I So think. he went in and then the security came and was driving around with the little, uh, you know, smart car with the little lights uh-huh. on top. And I said, um, can you like just give this guy a ticket on principle alone? And... They, like, called in the dogs, and they roped off his car. Good. <laughs> they roped off the whole thing so he couldn't get out. I hope he, I hope I, he came out. I was like, oh, criminy. I left. There's those damn kids again. I was like, I, I don't want to know what ended up happening, but I felt very accomplished. Street justice. <laughs> I'm the park narc. That's what I am. I'm the... Jay that's, Quarry, inst- that's instant karma right Jay there. Quarry, park narc. I mean, four spots. Come on. Yeah. If it was just like straddling one or the other, fine. But you're going to go perpendicular, diagonal, whatever, over four spots? Come oh, on. And oh. there was nobody around. I've seen that where it was at like the, the, the zoo and someone, you know, it's a pretty tight parking area anyway to begin with. But someone parked in the middle of a thing. So you took up four, each wheel was in four different spots, but in the middle. So there's two rows that were completely inaccessible. Yeah, I, it's like, what? come on. <laughs> Flatten that tire. People are morons, I'm telling you. Hey, it's going to be a great weekend, and a lot of that focuses around the Colts. We'll talk college football as well. Get you set for the football uh, weekend schedule is what we will do here on this Friday. Up next, it is the morning check down in just a couple of minutes. Get you caught up on what happened overnight. You're listening to Kevin and Quarry, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Last night in Major League Baseball, Cincinnati and the Cardinals, Albert Pujols, long fly ball, sitting on 697, sack fly. Reds win 3-2 over the Cardinals elsewhere in the big league scoreboard. It was the Marlins over the Phillies, 5-3. Mets over the Pirates in a game that was inexplicably on network television, 7-1. Diamondbacks over the Padres, 4-love. White Sox quadrupling up. You see, I got that algebra working in my head. 8-2 over the Guardians. Huge win for the White Sox. Uh, I thought you were going to say huge 
factor there that I figured that up. Well, I mean, that was impressive, too. Thanks. But, yeah, White Sox needed that one to uh, avoid a tiebreaker. 2x equals 8, therefore uh, White Sox four times. I see what you did there. Over the Guardian Sega. Uh, Rays over the Blue Jays, 11-0. It was the Astros over the A's, 5-2. Minnesota over the Royals, 3-2. Indianapolis Indians uh, quadrupled up as well, 12-3. Toledo over the Indians. Week two kicked off with a very good game. Chiefs topped the Chargers, 27-24. Difference in the game. A uh, Jalen Watson, 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. And then, of course, Justin Herbert. Looks like he has at least cracked ribs or something because he was he was hurting after a while so the Chiefs get the best of the Chargers they moved to 2-0 Chargers 1-1 everybody uh, both teams have a long break now before their next game in week three which who the Chiefs play in week three the Indianapolis Colts Colts in week two though first have to get past the Jacksonville Jaguars down in Jacksonville Shaquille Leonard on the injury report this is the one positive piece of the injury report he was full participation in practice yesterday Still coming back and nursing the injury from the offseason back surgery. Question for Shaquille Leonard. How did you feel uh, this week compared to last? Noon kickoff for Indiana and Western Kentucky. Purdue takes on Syracuse. That is also a noon kick. Meanwhile, Ball State hosts Murray State at 2 o'clock Saturday. By the way, uh, according to Matt, it's probably a good point. Pirates Mets on national TV because it was Roberto Clemente Day yesterday. Is that right? Yep. Okay, well, that, that I can deal with. Roberto Clemente, a key part of... My favorite movie of all time, Grand Canyon, who, which Matthew saw and said was terrible, but it's still my favorite movie of all time. We see uh, Tampa Bay made a uh, made history when they had all nine nine starting positions were Latin players. Really? Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. May I ask a dumb question? Sure. It, that was by design for Roberto Clemente Day, or I don't coincidentally? know. I don't know. I saw Trisha Whitaker tweeted it out that it was the first time in history all nine players have been Latin born. So. I did. I remember one time I was at a Pacer game, and it dawned on me, and this had to be the first time, and I can't even remember what team it was. I think it was the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I looked out on the floor, and I'm like, I've never seen this before, but all five starters are from five different countries, and they might have even been from five different continents because there was a a guy from, let's see, it was America, Brazil, somewhere in Africa. Um, I don't think there was an Australian, an Asian in Australia, I think. So it might've been five continents, but I'm like, holy cow. Wow. Like, five continents is really impressive. Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, that's why there's five rings. For the Olympics. For the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, we come back. Colts and Jaguars getting set. We're going to take a deeper dive and let you know, uh, some names that you might be surprised or a little bit peculiar about like their availability or... Uh, maybe that's a good thing. We'll explain. We'll elaborate. Kevin and Quarry on a Friday here, 93.5-1075, the fan. 19 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock, Greg Rakestraw going to join us top of the hour. Then a little over an hour from now, we will go down to Jacksonville to talk to Mike uh, Dorico, who covers the Jags. Have Dorico. You been, Dorico. Did I say Dorico? Dorico. Uh, do you, have you been to Jacksonville? I have, yeah. I saw a game there before. It was Jags-Chargers on Monday Night Football. Did you enjoy Jacksonville? Not so much. Uh, this was before all the renovations, so this was like, I mean, my wife and I were still dating. So it was they like were renovated. They renovated the city of Jacksonville. Well, no, they renovated the stadium though, where they have like the pools and stuff mm-hmm. in the upper deck. That wasn't all there before. Someone was throwing hot dogs from the upper deck and everything. So it's kind of <laughs> wild, but 
Yeah, it was all right, but I was kind of like, this is probably the worst stadium experience I've had in quite a while. Really? It wasn't great. I'm sure it's great now with the with the upgrades, but at the time, it wasn't wasn't the best. You know, Jacksonville is an interesting thing because, first off, when the Jags and Panthers first came into the league, and I know that both of them, I mean, it was pretty amazing and it was pretty captivating, but both of them, you know, if I'm not mistaken – Carolina went to the conference final either their first or second year. And Jacksonville did the same. I mean, they had a deep run early in their tenure. And, but those teams were designed when they came in as expansions. Not only did they have the expansion draft, but they also, they did not have the salary cap limitation that others, that other franchises did. So for like the first three years, they had no cap. So they could just spin galore, load up on talent, and they did. And both of them were, you know, good right out of the box, which was a smart way to do it because you captivate attention around each franchise immediately as opposed to, for example, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came into the league in the mid-'70s and, you know, went two years without a win. And people were just like, who, who are the, who's the team in the creamsicle orange? Although Bucko Bruce is fantastic. I love those helmets. Oh, they're the best. You know those have a subliminal meaning, right? No. I was in Tampa visiting my cousin Valerie several years ago, 20 years ago probably, and I bought a T-shirt with Bucko Bruce. It was just literally a, sh- a T-shirt with the, the, the old Bucks logo, uh-huh. the pirate with the sword and everything else, um, and I was wearing it. For whatever reason, I didn't have a direct flight back. I don't remember. Maybe I wasn't coming directly home, but I was in an airport. I don't remember what airport, and like three different people came up to me, and they're like, are you a fan of Bucko Bruce? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, it's a great logo. Like, it reminds me of my childhood. And they're like, you, you've been a fan of Bucko Bruce that long? Yeah, I mean, probably since I was like five or six. Wow. Well, good for you. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> it apparently has alternate meaning. Oh, okay. Um, but at any rate, I digress. So, the the Panthers and Jags, you know, Jacksonville got off to a good start as a franchise right away. The problem is, problem is maybe the wrong word, but in terms of having a raucous home field advantage, difficult challenge in that regard, Mark, I think for Jacksonville that has been an obstacle because not a lot of people that live in that area are like born and raised and from that area. So it's it's not unlike other places you hear about. Atlanta's a lot like this, where you know people will say like, "Oh, the Atlanta Hawks, yeah, they're." They're packed when they play the Knicks because New Yorkers that have moved to the area, you know, that kind of thing. I think there are a lot of people – it's a very transient area. So I think there are probably a lot of people that, you know, grew up in Detroit that, like, go if the Lions are going to be at the Jags, that kind of thing. It's um, kind of like California. Everybody's transplants and correct. everything like that. But That's I, why everybody's like, ah, oh, Chargers can't draw because not anybody's But the Jaguars aren't necessarily an epicenter of, like, Fortune 500 companies and big-time corporate backing and et cetera. But I've always enjoyed it when I've gone down there to cover games. My buddy Tom Stallings lives down there. Who He's a photographer that when I worked at Channel 6, that's who they would hire as a freelancer to, to shoot for me. And he and I just instantly got along, and he's a great dude. And he showed me around town when we'd go down there, and you know we went out and tore up the town. I mean, we had a lot of fun. So it's a fun place. But it has not been a fun place for the Colts, and they have not historically not played well there. It has been a house of horrors, everything from 
Uh, you know, it might have kick-started their Super Bowl run when they gave up, what, 375 yards on the ground or whatever it was that year. I mean, they've, they have had their struggles down there. But the question is, in terms of the struggles for this game on Sunday, what is the health situation for the Colts? A lot to be seen, and we'll talk to Matt Taylor about this coming up later on the program. But in terms of who is in and who is out so far this week, if you look at practice yesterday, it's not a long injury list except for two things number one you're coming off of one game and number two the magnitude of the players that we're talking about the following did not even practice yesterday DeForest Buckner with a hip injury Kenny Moore also a hip injury and Michael Pittman Jr. Now, the key thing about Michael Pittman Jr. not practicing yesterday, he was a limited participation on Wednesday, so we know that he can go through some reps. My assumption would be that he didn't didn't digress as much as correct. They're, They're giving it the rest for him to be able to go, but worth keeping an eye on. Limited participation. Alec Pierce, who is the opposite of Pittman because he did not practice on Wednesday. He's So they're bringing Pierce back. Looks like he'd be ready to go. He is a key player coming off concussion protocol, especially if Pittman is limited. Yeah. He, everybody gets elevated up the depth chart if, for whatever reason. Michael Pittman Jr. is not did in Did you say the death chart? Depth chart. D-P-E-T-H. The death chart would seem extreme. That would be right? bad. That wouldn't be great. I don't think you'd want to be on that chart. <laughs> The, the Colts death chart. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Kevorkian, line one. <laughs> so, Alec Pierce, I would anticipate that means that he is trending in the right direction to use that buzzword or that buzz term. And then Shaquille Leonard, full participation. I, but what do we know from that? Probably not a lot, right? Because we've seen that in the past where you think, well, he's good to go. Well, then you look at the Jaguars injury report. Clean bill of health all three days so far. Not an injury on there. So... They're coming full strength, and the uh, the Colts, we'll see what their situation is heading into Sunday. We should get more clarity uh, after today's practice of who played, who practiced, who's on the fence, any red flags going up, so we'll have to see what happens there. You concerned? Are you concerned heading into Sunday? I mean, the, the Pittman thing, I have to admit, I was like, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I was concerned. Too. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Now, the other thing that I'm – curious about I was talking about this with uh, the general manager of my gym is a huge Steelers fan he's from Pittsburgh so we were talking about the Steelers and we were talking about injuries because of TJ Watt yes who is now he went on to IR so he's six weeks I think right not getting surgery which was surprising um, the and I don't mean this in any way shape or form there's nothing to me that's more tired than the whole like guys are soft these days okay I mean Everybody's a tough guy. I get it. But I am curious how much medical advancement has led to more time away for certain injuries because we are aware of what that injury is versus 10 years ago where, you know, 10 years ago a guy's like, man, my ankle kind of hurts. 
he has no idea that there's like a loose bone spur or whatever else that could potentially further damage a tendon. But now, you know, they he goes in and they immediately are able to look at it and they're like, oh, you've got this, that, that you know, we you need to be careful. In other words, like how much more, and, and in addition to that, the salaries that guys are making now are such that there is much, much, much more of a financial investment towards the mass production or the, the ultimate production of that player when they are able to be on the field that you wonder if that does impact the the way in which a player is both a diagnosed and then b treated from that diagnosis yeah i mean back in i mean not even that long ago like you said 10 15 years ago a pitcher goes to get tommy john surgery that was like a career under basically is how it was viewed but now science has advanced to the point where it's not a career under people say they're actually better sometimes after getting tommy john but yeah i think especially with whether it's baseball or football contracts people see the guaranteed money these guys are making he's 20 million dollar a year player needs to get out there he needs to suck it up and it's like, well, that's not how it works. I mean, the, everybody's body is different. So what could be, you know, a sprained ankle for someone might be a completely different situation for someone else. So just to base everything off of, you know, how much money a guy makes, that, that's not the best method of going about things. What is your level of Michael Pittman concern, Mark? Uh, like I said, caught, uh, eyebrows raised yesterday when I saw him go from limited to out, but I, I'm assuming, like you said, that might have been a rest day. So it's like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit. We'll see what Friday brings. Now, Friday comes, or if today's practice comes and goes and he's DNP again, then I'll be a bit more concerned. My my level of concern will raise considerably because that's supposed to be the practice that's like the final tune-up before they get on the plane and head to Jacksonville. So, How about DeForest Buckner? Uh, I mean, what was he, limited and then he went to DNP? Yeah. So that, again, could be a rest situation for that one. Um, and then Alec Pierce, we'll see if he gets out of concussion protocol. It seems like he's trending in the right direction there. Like I said, Jaguars full strength on their end of the injury report. So could be interesting. So if you have any concerns or want to talk Colts, Jaguars, 239-1070. Do, do you prefer the all black or the gold black helmets for the Jaguars? The ones that kind of like fade into gold and black? I thought the all black ones were really cool. Yeah, I like those ones better, I think. Not a big fan of the two tone. They're okay, but I, I, they were they were good for like you know the color rush or whatever you want to call it, the, the flex games. I asked this question last night on social media as I was watching the game last night between the Jaguars and or excuse me the Chargers and the Chiefs. Um, I didn't realize. Do you know how old Patrick Mahomes is? How old? Uh huh. Twenty five. Twenty six. 26 I for some reason I was thinking he was older than that but I forgot he was a younger guy when he came in right yeah so I asked a question last night so far about a thousand votes you're an NFL general manager right now you could take one of these four as your quarterback 26 year old Josh Allen 25 year old Joe Burrow 24 year old Justin Herbert or 26 year old Patrick Mahomes I voted in that poll you did mm -hmm. you voted for which Justin Herbert. I like the way you're thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm not certain you're wrong. He's the youngest on the group. and if you, Now, he, he does seem a little fragile. That's not a knock on him at all, but he's been kind of, you know, he, he does get dinged up, it seems. Mm -hmm. Maybe part of that's a protection around him. I made him. this vote before yesterday's injury, by the way. Still, though, man. Yeah, he was, he was lighting it up. 20% um, of the people said Justin Herbert. Josh Allen... 
Ooh, it just swung. Somebody just voted on it. Josh Allen, 37%. 35% say Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow's where? 8%. Okay. But the and, and here's the thing. I didn't even mention, you know, Kyler Murray. Um Lamar Jackson. Lamar ja- well, how old's Lamar Jackson? One I don't know. Because I was thinking like twenty six would have been the high end that I wanted to go on this. Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones could probably be in the conversation. I think it's possible that Kenny Pickett works his way into this conversation. Lamar Jackson is twenty five. Okay, I didn't realize he's that young. See, then he's absolutely in the conversation. Mm-hmm. MVP. I mean, good Lord. That's the problem. Problem may be the wrong word, but, you know, for the Colts, when you really look at it, young, 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 man, in terms of the, the quarterbacks in the AFC. The, NF, or the NFL right now, in terms of young quarterbacks, it's AFC top-heavy. Oh, yeah. It's a youth movement, basically. And it was funny when I asked the question, one of the first responses was, I think I'd just resurface uh, a guy at the end of his career every two years. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where they are, right? Kind of. And then you look at the NFC, and there's, there's a lot of unknowns going on in the it's NFC a lot of right a lot now. of recycling in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, Greg Regstrog, ISC Sports Network. We'll talk both about the Colts and his anticipation for this game, and the high school slate as well. It's all coming up on the other side of the break here. Kevin and Corey, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Mark, a full slate of football this weekend, and when you talk about college football, high school football, professional football, whatever it might be, you have dialed up in your Rolodex a guy that has his finger on the pulse of as much of it as anybody that we could find, right? He's Greg Gregstraw. He joins us every Friday on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Good morning, Greg. How you doing? I'm doing good, fellas. How are we doing today? Doing great. Uh, so starting off the Friday night football slate, you are on the call for Ben Davis, Warren Central, correct? That is correct. What are you looking for in that game tonight? I'm looking for a lot of offense. You know, this is a, this is a Warren Central team that's 2-2. Two and two. Uh, they've struggled at quarterback. Their expected starting quarterback this year transferred to New Pal, so that has kind of thrown them off. Yet they have a very talented senior class, and they are exceedingly deep in terms of running the football. They are averaging about 260 yards rushing a game. They've got three or four really different senior tailbacks uh, in, in Harris, in Johnson, in Baskerville, guys that can run the football, and they have an exceedingly talented couple of receivers led by senior Joe Walker, who is going to be a, a Division One talent. Uh, and so, you know, for Warren, it's kind of a, a, a team that needs to find their stride. And if they can avoid making mistakes offensively, they're going to be tough to beat. But at the same time, Ben Davis is a team that I think is a really solid team. You know, they're 2-2, two and two, but their two losses are to Ben Davis and Brownsburg in one-score games. And, ben, and, 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 and Brownsburg and Center Grove, are our teams that I think maybe the top two teams in the state cathedrals in that group. I don't think Ben Davis is far from that group. So um, you look at the records, you're not overly impressed by them, but I think these are both teams that are clearly top 10 teams. And in a year where there is such parity in six, a, these are two teams that can be a factor come tournament time in October and November. Greg, I've got a couple of other high school games I want to ask you about, but um We'll table it for right now because I do want to ask you this. Between DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore, Michael Pittman Jr., three pretty big players that we're talking about here for the Colts that have shown up on the injury list, which of those three to you is the most indispensable? Michael Pittman Jr. 
just because of the disparity between him and anybody else in the wide receiver position. You know, when we talked about last week's game and the way that it played out, we said, hey, there, there's a couple of things you point to and say, hey, these guys played exactly as I thought they would. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. You know the ball was going to go to 11 a lot, and he still had nine catches for 121 yards. And so, yeah, okay, Kenny Moore and, and DeForest Buckner are pro bowl slash all pro level defensive players. But the Colts at least have other guys that can, to some degree, replicate what those guys can do. You've got a Stephon Gilmore. Um, you know, you've got a Grover Stewart uh, that, that, that can help, you know, spell those guys. Uh, you, haven't, you don't have anybody close as a receiver to Michael Pittman Jr. at this point. So I don't like the prospect of not having any of those three guys in the game on Sunday. But the guy that concerns me the most is Pitt. I'm not saying, Greg, that this is going to happen. But it's sports talk radio, so we deal a little bit in hypotheticals, right? Hypothetically, sure. the Colts go to Jacksonville and struggle, and Michael Pittman either does not play or is not 100% healthy, and so the passing game struggles as a result. Does Jim Irsay go to Chris Ballard and go, hey, man, what are we doing here? In terms of like looking for help at the wide receiver position, in, in terms in of terms you of, knew, in terms of you knew what this game meant to me as the owner, and you knew because you yourself mocked radio hosts about talking about wide receiver, a position that you did not address, and now in the game that means the most to me at this point in the year, it was jeopardized because we have no depth at receiver. I think if this team struggles in Jacksonville, there will be. There will be there I don't be think anybody's getting fired, Greg. I want to say that. Let's. I mean, but but do you think conversations begin of what are we doing here? Uh, I, I, if this team struggles, I think those conversations begin. Period. I mean, just 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 because of you know this was we can talk about it in the media. It's different. Those that work in football, those that own football teams, have been around it all their lives. Um, you know, we expected 2-0 and because the Texans and the Jaguars had won a combined seven games last year. Um, if this team does not come out way with the first two games with a victory, there's going to be plenty of conversations happening at West 56th Street, period. Yeah, I, you know, it's you're right, though, Greg, because of who it is, right? I mean, I hate, like, there's no way that you start the first two weeks without a win, between those two, right? They're already halfway to accomplishing that feat, but there's no way they don't go down and win, right? Right. Correct. And and and, and again, it, it it replicates the problems that you've had um, continuously, seemingly for the last decade in terms of slow starts. Now, oftentimes, zero and one has been followed with one and one. Clearly, that was not the case last year, as zero and one became zero and two, and then became zero and three. But one of the things that you will hear Frank Reich in press conferences or any head coach in a press conference talk about is when you are handed a slate of division games early in the year, um, you know, that, that is to some degree found money. Because if you can win those games, you know, you put yourselves in prime position to host a playoff game early in the season by being the best team in your division. So if you get handed five division games of your first seven, and your first two, albeit those on the road, if you struggle in both of those, you know, playoffs are still a possibility. Shoot, there's 15 games left to go in the season. And given the fact that it's the AFC South, a home game still a playoff possibility as well. But when you could have set yourself up to potentially be 2-0 and oh, and you wouldn't say have the division by the scruff of the neck, but at least be the leader in that group. And if that's not going to be the case after the first two weeks against perceived lesser competition, that's a problem.
I think that's why there's even more pressure to get the win on Sunday because not only is it a division game, it's a place where you've struggled, then look who's up next, Kansas City Chiefs, and they they look as good as advertised once again. So I think you really need to get out of Jacksonville with a win here to to feel good about yourself. Um, we talked about wide receivers, Greg. Uh, Greg Rakestraw joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline on Kevin and Query. Uh, one receiver that won't be getting some help, it appears, would be T.Y. Hilton, the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium banner now accompanied with a thank you for the memories uh, message. What's your favorite moment of the T.Y. Hilton career? Uh, the catch against Kansas City in a playoff game has to be. Um, you know, second of that would be the fact that he's the, the mayor of Houston. Um, but but the the comeback, the stage, the absolute dime throw by Andrew Luck. So if I pick one moment, it's the playoff winning against Kansas City in January of 2014. You think we've seen the last of T.Y. Hilton in an NFL uniform? Potentially. I still think that somebody will call him when injuries hit a wide receiver room at some point in time during the course of this year. Um, I think it had to be the right situation to get him to leave here watching his son Eugene you know, play football at Zionsville. But I got to think that somebody's going to be giving him a call at some point in time as you see more injuries position around the National Football League. And Greg, it would be a 317 area code, I don't think. No. No, if you're going to put thanks for the memories on the sign outside of the stadium, I, I, I kind of think that that tells you that it's not going to be here. Greg, I truly do think, and you know, I, this will stun you. Greg Regstra is our guest on the Payless Liggers guest line. This will stun you, Greg, to know that, like, at times, I'm not, I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, but, like, I always try to analyze both sides, right? This stuns yep. you, I know, right? Yeah, this is not news to me, yes. Um, the Colts in particular being, at, and, and listen, I, I don't know how much interest the Colts would have had in bringing back T.Y. Hilton, but the Colts putting the banner up saying thanks for the memories. I mean, that, that, that basically officially shuts the door unless you want to have like the world's biggest omelet on your face. That said, um, I think the Colts know that T.Y. Hilton probably has indicated to them that T.Y. Hilton is totally cool sitting at home and watching football on Friday nights. Right. Right. And you got to remember, like no one has talked about T.Y. Hilton's side of it. I don't, I think T.Y. Hilton himself probably is like, I'm good. Like, I think he took a couple of weeks, a month, whatever it might be. And Greg, you know as well as I, I mean, we work in an industry that, you know, me more inconsistently than you, but there have been times where you go with ebb and flows in terms of availability of what we do. And sometimes you come to a piece when things aren't coming your way from a work standpoint. And if you're financially, if you're okay with it, I get it, right? So here's what I'll, what I'll reference. You know, T.Y., you know, got hurt last year at the end of the preseason in, in a training camp. And it took him, what, five, six weeks in terms of getting back on the active roster and, and clearly did not have a, a, a good year last year. You want to chalk it up to Carson Wentz, fine. Chalk it up to the offense, fine. Um, but, but T.Y. had a pretty open press conference. I forget exactly when it was. It was on a Thursday out, out at the Colts complex where he was very open talking about, hey, I was starting to have pain issues and I was starting to worry, hey, do I need to shut this down now? So he already had kind of went through that process of starting to come to grips with, I might not be playing in 2021, let alone in, in, in 2022. Uh, and so when your mind has already kind of started to wrap itself around, hey, I, I see the end of, of my football journey here, I think it makes it a much easier call 
when you don't go through the off-season workouts, you don't go through mini camp or training camp, et cetera. I think that process almost started 12 months ago, if not more than 12 months ago for T.Y. Hilton. You know, he is part of the rare few. He got 10 years in the National Football League and got it with one team. Didn't have to move his kids. You know, you know obviously, Eugene be, being in high school now, you know, all they've known is living here in Indianapolis. That's rare. Um, you know, we, you know, the amount of money these guys make, you know, you tend to go, Hey, you know, boo-hoo, you know, you can pay for movers, you know, if you have to move, whatever, but it's kind of nice. You don't have to do things like that. So again, I, 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 you make a good point. I think T Y is at peace. Now, if an NFL team calls, again, we could be having a different conversation. And frankly, as it gets later in the year, where you put yourself through less wear and tear, less exposure to injury. And again, if it's a playoff team, I don't think he's going just to play, but it's a playoff team that has a chance to do something special. It might be hard to turn down that chance at a ring, but if nobody calls, I think T.Y. is going to be smiling uh, because he knows he had a heck of an NFL career here in Indianapolis. You hit the nail on the head right there, Greg. Uh, Shaq Leonard, back-to-back days of full participation in practice. Do you expect him to suit up on Sunday? I got to expect that means he's a go uh, because basically if you're practicing Wednesday and Thursday, Friday's a walkthrough. Uh, and so if you made it through full practices each of the first two days, you know, you're not going to be, you know, affected by something that happens on Friday. So you got to think he's a, he's a go. And, and again, you know, back to your first question of the conversation, I think that some degree that softens the blow if Buckner can't play or if Kenny Moore can't play, because now you're bringing back your biggest playmaker defensively in terms of Shaq Leonard. So, no, if, if he's if he's full go Wednesday, Thursday, I don't see a scenario where he's not playing on Sunday. Greg, here's the most important question of the week, okay? The yep. most important question of the week. Yes. And that is, my man in Shelbyville, Jeremy, his daughter tonight makes her debut as the Bear mascot, which is actually my dream in life. If, if I just want to be a mascot one day, and if I could be the Shelbyville Golden Bear, my life would be beyond complete. I don't want to take the gig away from Jeremy's daughter, but I'd love to do it sometime. Maybe just go to, like, the Cow Palace and shake hands and stuff as the bear. But can Shelbyville make it two in a row? They got Greenfield Central. Greenfield Central is is improved. Travis Nolting has done a good job at Greenfield Central. In years gone by, this would be a match of a couple of programs that are struggling. Uh, but Greenfield has turned the corner, so uh, I think they can be competitive. But I would imagine the Cougars come out on top with a victory tonight. Okay, how about this one? Uh, Shortridge taking on Ritter. I think Shortridge might still be looking for its first win. Let me confirm. No, I take that back. Uh, wow, Shortridge has two wins. They beat Washington 26 0. They're coming off a win against Tenley. Uh, Shortridge at Shortridge, I can't even say it. Shortridge at Ritter, they're going to go two in a row. They're going to go two in a row. Um, this Did, is so a Ritter Ritter's, program. That Ritter is, tried to – sh- they almost shut down, didn't they? Correct. So they played last week. Their their big rivalry game was last week against Speedway, and Speedway won handily. The week before, Ritter was supposed to play Brebuff and, frankly, didn't have enough healthy bodies to field the team. So, amazingly, that program has fallen on hard times quickly because they're not that far removed from being a state championship team. I want to say 2015, 2016 – was the last time that, that Ritter won a, a, a 2A state championship for whatever reason. Um, you know, my good friend Ty Hunt, formerly the football coach, no longer on the staff at Ritter. That's happened the last couple of years, and seemingly football has taken a nosedive at Ritter. So um, in most years, you take the Raiders. On this one, 
I'm riding with the Blue Devils. Now, you are ready for North Central to shock the world tonight, get their first win at Center Grove, right? Probably not. Um, <laughs> Hail our I, Panthers, I, I, Greg. Come on, hats off to thee. I, 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 I wish them good health and good success. This is probably not the week the W's coming for the Panthers. The issue with Ritter, by the way, is because they're all working part time at the ice cream shop, so they can't. That's right. Practicing at the That's football right. field and custard the ice cream is what shop. it is, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Rickstra is going to be on the t- call for Ben Davis at Warren Central, which is on our air at seven o'clock tonight. Check that out, Greg. Your biggest takeaway from the high school football season to this point: who's impressed? Who has disappointed? Well, again, you heard me say repeatedly, six A uh, is 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 wide open. This was this way three years ago when Center Grove, with playing a lot of sophomores and juniors, were four and five during the regular season, and made it to the state championship game where Carmel won the state title. Um, I'm not saying a team that's four and five is going to make the state championship game this year, but they might, uh, just because I, I don't think there's a huge gap between the top six or seven teams locally in in 6a what center grove has done is very impressive uh and and i liken it to a group that i had experience with go back to about 17 years now Uh, i did the ron collie games for four years and ron collie had a run that where they won three straight state championships oh two through oh four oh four was kind of the last year for the guys that had big-time Division One talent, guys like Jason Warner that played at Purdue and Pat Koontz, who went on to play at Notre Dame and played briefly in the National Football League, Tim Sergio, part of that group as well. That group had Division One talent. The next group had some very talented players, but not that level of athleticism. And that group made it to the state championship game too. And in part, I chalked it up to you had three consecutive years of five extra weeks of practice. And that pays off by the time you're a senior. And and I think just as importantly, you have you don't know what it's like to lose. And that's really been the case for this Center Grove squad. They're also playing for their head coach. They've got a unifying factor in Eric Moore, um, who is kind of going through a cancer fight, uh, you know, for a second season in a row. So for all of that, even though so much talent graduated off of that Center Grove team last year, the kids that are there are, are battling their butts off. Their only loss was to Louisville Trinity. No shame in that. And it was a close game down in Louisville as well. So Center Grove has been really impressive. Again, 6A, though, is, is tremendously parity-filled. The other thing I'd say is this. I do think a couple of contenders have emerged in both 3 and 4A. You know, what New Pal has put together, again, they are stacked. And, again, they are big. And they have been beating up some really good football teams. They go to Pendleton Heights tonight. But the fact they've got wins over Westfield, Decatur Central, and Houst, the defending 4A champs in Mount Vernon, who was a little down from what they were a year ago, uh, but beat them 42-6. to That catches your attention. And, and I think just by way of whom they have played, uh, I like Chittard's chances in 3A. Basically, it's been the case when Chittard's been in 3A, they've been really good. When it's been in 4A, they've been competitive, but not as dominant. And so from a local perspective, it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking about Chittard and Newpal as state champs. Obviously, Ron Colley is a team that thinks they've got a shot at Newpal and would see them by the time we got to the regional. Greg, does the Shelbyville Golden Bear have a name? Do you know? Uh, I would assume it goes by Shelby, but I don't know that for sure. So um, my, my, my my knowledge of Shelbyville Golden Bear Athletics is they play in the Bill Garrett Gymnasium. Obviously That's right. After the first yep. African-American player in the history of Indiana University, led Shelbyville to a state championship back in the day. Uh, and there is this huge Golden Bear water tower yeah. right next to the high school. Because basically That's the right. road turns left, that would be 44. If you go straight to the water tower, use it like the North Star. That's how you get to one of the my favorite roundhouse gyms 
the Bill Garrett Gymnasium. I actually, I did, I've done a couple of football games at Shelbyville, but it's been five or six years at this point. I wonder if if we could petition. Shelby's probably right. If it's not named, I mean, what about just Jake? I lived there. Sure. Right? Jake the Bear. Sure. I mean, the, here, here's, the, here's the great thing is, Jake, given what you make it from both now Radio 1 as well as from the IndyCar Radio Network. So you could be a, a huge program donor. And I am sure that for a <laughs> substantial fee, That's right. you, could, you could both be the bear for a night and then rename the bear in perpetuity. I'm, I'm like so, that. I'm like that Hoosier hysterics guy. I'm running around smoking cigars, making happy foot dances about Shelbyville athletics, right? So here's what I would do. For my friends listening in Shelby County, think of some sort of donation with at least four digits left of the decimal point. <laughs> Reach out to Jake, and it's now Jake the Golden Bear, and Jake will actually be the Golden Bear at some point in time. Later. I'm telling you, I just want to go to Compton's Cow Palace and, and sh- like – Shake hands and fist bump little kids that are getting Sundays at Shelbyville. That's it. And That's all I want to do. One day. Think the kids would like that, or you would terrify the kids. Oh, terrify! Of course. That's the whole okay. point. That's right. the. You're that's not the doing beauty. any gymnastics. You're not limber enough to do let, that. I don't think. No. Let, let, let me let me in, let me change the name here. Let me take kids out of the equation and insert Derek Schultz. If Derek Schultz was at the Cow Palace, would you be entertaining him or would you be terrifying? Terrifying, of course, a hundred percent. I would be walking around. I would look a little bit like Greg Brady when he had, when he got to wear the dog outfit for one day at the Kings Island. That's what. That's how I would walk around. Just, <laughs> just walking around to be awesome. Greg, Absolutely we'll awesome. Do our best to bring, we'll do our best to bring our ISC network cameras and, and capture that on video if given the opportunity. Greg, before we let you go, prediction for Sunday. Colts winning a close one, um, but again, I, I, I am I'm concerned by what I saw on Sunday. I'm concerned by what I see on the injury report. Because, again, that went from zero to 60 quickly. You know, we had talked about all preseason. And even the first week without Shaq Leonard, hey, this is a remarkably healthy team. Well, it's still not exactly a lot of injuries, but it's the, it's the key players. And, again, if, if, if there's no Pittman on Sunday, I'm nervous just because of, of that just gives Jacksonville every opportunity to put eight and nine in the box and basically say make somebody other than number 28 beat us. I think there's a lot of nervous fans heading into Sunday. Greg Regstraw, we appreciate the time as always. ISC Network's Greg Regstraw, thank you for the time. Have a great weekend. You got it, guys. Can you imagine if I got to wear the bear outfit just once? I mean, I would like to see it. Those things stink. You ever put on a mascot say, you outfit? Need to bring, I mean, I've yeah, my, my college room, one of my college roommates was, uh, was the Greyhound. Really? Yeah. Did you ever put the mascot on? No, he didn't. Did he ever like wear it to parties? No, he brought it though. He, he brought it like to the. I don't think he was supposed to bring it to yeah, the dorm. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. You mean like he just brought it like it was? Like no, he brought it, it to the dorm. Like we we were just hanging out. He's like, hey, here's the here's the Greyhound mascot. Did anybody put the head on? I didn't want to because I I know that those things usually stink. Correct. And I was I avoided that. Okay. I, so, I would have been tempted though. No doubt. But time not, for a morning checkdown. Not enough drinks on me. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know, there's a thing on HBO. There's people that, like, get all into the mascot stuff. Oh, the furries? Yeah. (laughs) I know about that. (laughs) Excuse me? I don't know about it personally. Not personally. Is there something we need to know? (laughs) Not personally. What exactly did you buy at Bucky's? Not personally. Hey, if they have those kind of outfits... Well, I, I mean, might splurge. <laughs> Come no, on. No, I know of them. I should I should preface that. I know wow. of them. I haven't I haven't personally Look, participated. Learn something new every day. I've seen the shining though. There's that one scene. 
Never mind. All right, baseball <laughs> scores. <laughs> that was awkward. The Reds topped the Cardinals. Which... Three... <laughs> the Reds topped the Cardinals three to two. White Sox get a must win against the Guardians eight to two. Rays blank the uh, Blue Jays eleven nothing. First time all nine position players were of Latin born descent. The Diamondbacks blank the Padres four nothing. New York Mets over the Pirates seven to one. Marlins edge the Phillies five to three. And the Indianapolis Indians fall to the Toledo Mud Hens 12-3. Uh, college football slate this weekend, full cast of games, starting with Ball State, chirp, chirp, taking on Western Michigan. That's going to be up in Muncie, 2 o'clock kick. Indiana taking on Western Kentucky. And for Purdue, it is a road trip. By the way, Notre Dame taking on Cal, the Golden Bears. Uh, there's another bear opportunity right there, right? They're, I mean, they're longing for you. If you were dressed as the bear on one of those HBO specials, are you bare naked? I don't know. Are you playing okay. bare naked ladies over your loudspeaker, too? <laughs> it's one week, right? Yeah. Uh, Purdue taking on tomorrow the Syracuse Orange up in Syracuse. The Carrier Dome, if that's what they still call it, kind of tricky in terms of the lighting, the noise. Question is, Jeff Brom, did you actually have to, like, prepare for the weird conditions when you're playing at Syracuse? We uh, asked around, and the word we got back was it was fine. I think they got new lighting, and from what I heard, they, they showed us a picture. It looked fine. I, I, I don't think that'll be a problem. You never know until you get there. But, uh, you know, I, I think the noise is probably the, the main concern and uh, the ability to have to, you know, use a silent count uh, probably throughout most of the game. Speaking I of lights, Jeff Brommer, I think it was Jeff Brommer, Jiminy Cricket. Well, that's in the what background. I was going to say. He, the, speaking of lights, they actually talked to him there during a camping outing. <laughs> the sound might be different. <laughs> I heard a cricket. Typical New State Park, right? Uh, you heard us mentioning it with Greg Raystraw in terms of the Colts' injury report. DeForest Buckner did not practice yesterday due to a hip injury. Neither did Kenny Moore. Michael Pittman also did not practice yesterday. That's because of a quad. Now, the question is does that mean that those guys are feeling a little more ginger or are they starting to nurse back and they thought you know what let's go ahead and not force anything on Thursday that remains to be seen with practice today Alec Pierce did yesterday have limited participation he is in the concussion protocol so that's where things stand in terms of the health standpoint in terms of Jacksonville we're going to get the standpoint from the Jags not only from a health standpoint but just in terms of the way they're playing we're going to do it next right Mark yep ESPN Jaguars reporter Mike DiRocco. He joins us next. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. By the way, I don't know what I was thinking. I completely misspoke. I apologize, regret it. Ball State take on Murray State. I think I said Western Michigan. Ball State and Murray State. That's going to be 2 o'clock tomorrow at Schumann Stadium up in Muncie. 2 o'clock kick. Uh, tickets available still online. You can find at, uh, again, for Ball State and Murray State, 2 o'clock um, tomorrow. Okay, so on Sunday, it's going to be the Colts and the Jaguars in Jacksonville. We're going to go down to Jacksonville right now. Joining us on the Payless Liggers guest line from ESPN Jacksonville is Mike DiRocco. And, Mike, uh, I want to begin with this. We were talking earlier in the program about the young, talented quarterbacks in the AFC Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Mac Jones. I mean, it's endless. Um, have we started to see glimpses that Trevor Lawrence will indeed also be one of those in that category by the time it's all said and done? Yeah, I think you see glimpses that he could potentially join that. There's still a lot of questions about Trevor Lawrence down here in Jacksonville, um, you know, about how fast he's able to get through his progressions his accuracy, 
Um, you know, he's he's missed some easy throws that he should make 99.9 times out of 100, uh, including, you know, one that cost him a touchdown last week on a wide-open wheel route. So, um, physically, talent-wise, that all that stuff is there, absolutely, 100%. He's every bit as talented as Herbert and Burrow and, and those kind of guys. Um, it's just, you know, there's still some uncertainty about, you know, whether he's going to get to that level, uh, you know, and, and he's better equipped to do it this year for sure than he was last year, but got to see it and got to see it consistently. And that's something that Doug Peterson has talked about pretty regularly. That sets up for my question. Uh, what is the team vibe from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson? Is it drastically <laughs> different or is it basically the same or how, how are we going with this one? If it were basically the same, I think they would burn the stadium down <laughs> at this point. In well, they just renovated um, that thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it is one one eighty. I mean, it's a complete and total flip. And and everybody, you know, multiple players have told us, hey, look, the culture is so much better here. Um, you know, people inside the building, not just you know in the football side, but marketing and sponsorships and ticketing, and you know, they've talked about how you know, wonderful it is to be able to come into work and not have like a sense of doom hanging over their heads. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's just a, a complete and total reversal. And, and the, the franchise is energized. Um, it, it's, it's hard to, to really like people tell me all the time, as bad as you think it was last year for about everything, it was even worse. So it's like, okay, well then give me some examples. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, I really can't talk about that, but just trust me, it was worse. There'll be books about that in like 10 years, probably. Oh yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's such a, a, an optimistic feeling around here and, you know, in the locker room, you got guys coming, they want to be to come to work. They're, They're not, dreading coming into the office and and if you're a football team where your players and your coaches and staffers are dreading coming into the office every day how the heck are you gonna win games you just can't and, and that is totally changed under doug peterson with that in terms of the offensive schemes that jacksonville seemingly is going to try to get uh turned towards this year mike travis Etienne, you know obviously last year was hurt He's kind of a safety blanket type player to allow Trevor Lawrence to get his footing because they're familiar with one another from their days together at Clemson. And there's been a lot of expectation that this weekend is kind of the breakout weekend for Travis Etienne. But yet, it looked like in week one, maybe he was scaled back a little bit and he's going to be a by-committee guy. Where do things stand in terms of Jacksonville's offensive schemes with the Colts? Well, you know, there there wasn't – a, a firm expectation of what they were going to get out of James Robinson last week. Um, that was because, you know, he, he had done, you know, almost only individual work for 90% of camp team work for only a week, didn't play in any preseason games at all. Hadn't gotten any contact, wasn't in great football shape. You know, there's a difference between good shape and football shape. So they really weren't sure what they were going to see from him in the opener. And he surprised them with how good a shape he was in and how effective he was. So they really kind of, rode him maybe a little bit more than, you know, they were thinking they might be able to. So that kind of, you know, maybe impacted things a little bit. But, uh, you know, they're going to take – I mean, that that's – it will be a committee approach for sure because those two guys were almost 50-50 in the snaps last year or last week. Um, they will at times have them both on the field at the same time. But the difference, you know, they're going to move Travis Etienne around a lot more. He'll line up in the slot. He'll line up outside. Um, you know – 
Doug Peterson was asked about the run pass balance this past week. And he was like, yeah, I'm not really concerned about it. Cause they threw it 42 times. And I think they ran it less than 20. Um, you know, his thing was like, look, the plays were there. We had plays called that we could have made and we didn't. And, you know, it, bottom line is if those may, they make those plays, no one's talking about the run pass balance, but, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be more of a matchup thing week to week, too, if they feel like they can exploit some more things with ETN outside. I think that's what they'll do. But, you know, James Robinson is RB1. That is unquestionable at this point after last week. Now, I don't think we're going to see a game where James Robinson is carrying the ball 20 times because they will mix an ETN. So, um, you know, they'll both play and uh, both play a lot. And if they can find a matchup that they can exploit and get ETN on a linebacker, um, then that's what they're going to do, and they're going to try and take advantage of that, which they did against the Commanders, and Trevor Lawrence just missed the throw. It should have been an easy touchdown, and he just missed it. I always like Robinson. I always thought he was an underrated back in the league. Uh, speaking of the offense, almost fun, 400 yards of offense against Washington. Uh, it seems to be there's optimism, despite the week one loss, that the offense could keep humming. Yeah, guys were open. Wide receivers were open. And it was refreshing to see <laughs> because we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of that around here in the last several years. I mean, scheme, talent, you know, the scheme's better certainly than it was last year. Doug Peterson, much better play caller, much uh, uh, more accomplished offensive guy in the NFL than Urban Meyer, clearly. Um, and they're better skill player-wise. Christian Kirk is, is going to be their number one wide receiver. and He, caught, uh, he had over 100 yards receiving last week, uh, six balls over 100 yards receiving. Zay Jones adds an element of speed on the outside that they didn't have. And Marvin Jones is, um, you know, the reliable guy that Trevor trusts. And then you add Evan Ingram to the, to the mix as well at tight end, who I still think will be a 50 catch guy here this year. And then all, that, that's options. And they haven't had that. And, you know, if you are dropping back as a quarterback and you don't have the trust that your guys are going to be where they're supposed to be, and you don't have the trust that they're going to be open it makes it hard to win games. It makes it hard to play well. And now that that's seemingly not an issue, that they've got guys that can get open, that that can make the plays and can be uh, or are in spots where they're supposed to be, it makes a world of difference. So the, the it's not an elite group of offensive weapons by any stretch of the imagination, but it is markedly different and markedly better than what they've had in years past. Mike DeRocco is our guest. He is with ESPN Jacksonville covering the Jags. He is on the Payless Liquors guest line. Mike, let's talk defensively about Jacksonville and what the Colts are going to have to contend with because, listen, and I mean this as no disrespect to the Jags, who are obviously in rebuild, as we talked about, coming off of kind of the disaster of last year. But from the outside, my perception would be that if there's an area that you really like about them, it would be – They've got young, aggressive, hungry pass rush guys that could give the Colts some fits. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, without question. Um, you know, Trayvon Walker makes a big difference. There's someone on the other side of Josh Allen. You know, last week I think we saw the kind of impact he can make in a game. He had a sack, four tackles, and, and an interception on what was really a phenomenal play from a young pass rusher to break off a pass rush and kind of recognize screen, get over there, and make the play. Because um, normally those young pass rushers, it's 900 miles an hour straight ahead, get the quarterback, get the quarterback. Man, that's the only thing they're thinking about. And for him to recognize that, it was a screen to his side. And, and clearly that's why they ran it to his side, because you're counting on that young pass rusher making that mistake. 
um, yeah, that's that's 100 uh, percent, you know, a much more improved pass rush for this team. And, you know, Devin Lloyd, we didn't see much of him do it. He's a, the linebacker, uh, missed almost all of camp with a hamstring injury. Uh, he played, a, a, you know, a lot, led the team in, in tackles as an inside linebacker, but they can use him outside in the pass rush as well. You know, they've got some packages where he's out there on the edge and Trayvon Walker moves down inside, um, you know, so they can kind of do a lot more things in terms of rushing the passer than they were, have been able to before. And Dewan Smoot's still on this roster. He's, I think he's had uh, 18 sacks in the last three years. So he's a one of those second-level pass rushers that, you know, isn't dynamic but will always get you five, six, seven sacks a year. You can kind of count on that if you're the Jags, which is kind of refreshing, to be honest with you, because they've just been so dearth of talent at that spot. So it's a much, much improved pass rush. And, and the question is, though, it's got to be consistent because Trayvon Walker said it last week. He's like, look, I'm the number one overall pick. These are the kind of plays I'm supposed to make, but i got to start making more of them because there were times when he was not sort of noticeable on the field and he doesn't feel like that's the level of play he should be playing at. And he's probably right, but, I mean, that was his first game, so you have to kind of be excited if you're the Jags because he's a disruptive guy and that's – really good for a guy that's raw. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to be a pass rush, you know, technician because he didn't really do that at at Georgia. So there is optimism that things can get much, much better in that department here. He's Mike DiRocco of ESPN, Jaguars reporter on Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors guest line. Uh, In your opinion, Mike, what is the ceiling for this defensive unit? Uh you know, they, they should be better against the run than they were last year. They added Foley Fadakasi from the Jets. Um, and, and, you know, look, if you want to win in this division, you better darn well be good against the run because you've got Jonathan Taylor, you've got Derrick Henry. Um, you know, you don't stop the run, you're going to be in a lot of trouble against those two teams. So um, that's, you know, a thing Devin Lloyd should be able to help with too. Uh, the, you know, the game might have been a little bit too fast for him at first last week, and he did some over-pursuing and um, got found himself out of position. But, you know, you like the athleticism from him, so that should help, you know, against the run game there as well. So, you know, I, I still think that this defense is, you know, I, we're not talking a top-10 defense, but if you can be in that, you know, four, or your 15 to, to 19, 15 to 20 range, that'll be a significant step forward. The only question is, can they force turnovers? And they got three last week, which was, you know, they, they only forced uh, nine last year. So they've already got a third of their turnover total in the first game of 2022 than they had in all of 2021. So that's a step forward. But again, I think, you know, it's, it's baby steps for this franchise. So they'll probably be, if you could be, like I said, in that, middle third of defenses in the league then that's significant progress i'm sure jaguars fans obviously know the winning streak that they hold over the colts the colts have not been able to score 20 or more points in their losing streak at jacksonville what's the mindset for fans heading into this game i mean the colts fans are apoplectic heading into this game they're worried they're (laughs) nervous especially after the tie against houston but what are jaguars fans expectations heading into this game well, they're, they're surprisingly optimistic after watching them lose last week uh, in Washington because, you know, they were down 14-3 at half, but they clawed back into that game and took a, a, a lead into the fourth quarter, which is not something that has happened around here uh, in a long, long time. I mean, the, the past three or four years, those teams down 14-3 at half would have probably lost that game 28-10, and it wouldn't have been even that close. Um, you know, but they're all aware of, of the streak against the Colts, so – 
you know, the fans down here are like, you know what, we we blew that one in Washington, should have had it, but we got the Colts. And we always beat the Colts here in Jacksonville now. And, and you know, I would expect that this will be a pretty good crowd and a pretty loud crowd because, uh, you know, it's the home opener here and they're counting on, they're counting on this as a W, which, you know, is to me is a mistake, but, you know, whatever. They're fans. That's what fans do. Man, I'm counting telling you. Counting on a W. They have to know. Are people there aware, Mike, as to what losing to Jacksonville did to Indianapolis a year ago? And I don't mean from a denying playoffs standpoint. I mean from just a an incredulous anger from the owner and reshuffle so to speak because of that loss are people aware of that oh gleefully so down here in Jacksonville the fans are look that was the only good thing that they got out of last season the only good thing on the field last season was that game and they know that look they don't like the Colts they hate the Titans way more but they don't like the Colts and and for them to get a game like that in the last game of the season to send them into the offseason with a lot of optimism as a fan and to know that it cost the Colts their quarterback and it caught, just irked Robert Ursay to no end um you know yeah that they are excited that they were able to do that to the Colts they look like like I said they're looking at this as a W they're looking uh, feeling like that they're going to put even more hurt on that franchise there. But, yeah, they're excited about this. They understand what they did. Like I said, it was their Super Bowl in a way. You know, so little to kind of grab onto uh, with optimism and hope, and that was pretty much the only thing for them to do that with. Listen, it was so irking, and, Mike, I'm I'm poking funny here. Uh, mm-hmm. Robert Ursay – Robert Ursay's been gone for 20 years, and it was such yeah. a bad loss that irked even him. So you are correct, actually, right? L- let me tell you something. I, Doug Peterson is the head coach here, and on Twitter uh, on Sunday, I wrote Doug Marone by mistake. <laughs> no, I so get it, man. I totally I am, get it. I am just ridiculously bad with names at this point in my life, and uh, I need I need a caddy is what I need. <laughs> Listen, I, I mean, it's amazing to me when I think about you know, somebody will mention like, oh, do you remember the Colts game in, you know, 08 or something? And I'll say like, now, was that when Dave Craig was playing for Kansas City? And like, dude, that was 1991. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever, right? I'm just, I have the worst memory. I mean, like, if, if they didn't have media guides, I don't know that I would be able to <laughs> do, do this job. Here's the I thing. Really do, do they even have them anymore? Because I'm, that's another thing, Mike. I'm so old now. They're like, the media guide is online. I'm like, can I get a spiral bound notebook, please? <laughs> I ask them for spiral-bound game notes every week. I mean, it's just – and it's, it's, I do it in my personal life, too. It's like I'll call somebody a totally different name that I've known for 10 years. And it's like my wife's like, you got to go to the neurologist. You've got some issues. Can, can we just call you Mark from now on out? And it, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter at this point. I mean, as long as I get to work and get home okay every day, I think that's hey, a win for me. I'll count that I, a win. I called you Mike Dorico earlier. I'm not going to lie to you. So, you know. Ah, that's just a mispronunciation. That's all right. I can live with that. <laughs> it's how it goes, right? Mark Domino, appreciate the time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you do sound like Mike DeCourcy, too, so it's even further confusing. Oh, gosh. We're just going to have to go with code names, but it's not like I'm going to remember those anyway. <laughs> that's right. He's Jaguars reporter Mike DeRocco of ESPN, and we appreciate the time. Thank you very much, Mike, and uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Hey, man, Sunday. we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you. Good dude. Love Mike Duraco.
Yeah, good. I know, I know he covers the Jaguars, but he is always a very easy guy to chat with on the text line and all that stuff. So we'll get more into Colts, Jaguars, plus an interesting note. And from, by the way, I will Zach say Kiefer in his in his defense, that's a pretty I mean that's a pretty easy thing oh, to yeah. do outside of market, right? Oh, for because sure. Robert Ursay is a huge name within football. And so, you know, whenever people mention Jim Ursay outside of market, nine times out of ten, they're mentioning Robert along with it. So I, I get it. I mean, I totally get it. Appreciate Mike Duraco for the time. An interesting note regarding Colts practice today. Mm. We'll get a little more into that next. Mm. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5 and 1075, the fan. It is a beautiful, sun-splashed and sun-drenched Friday in Indianapolis. How are you? My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen, that you normally hear on this program, will be back on Monday coming off of paternity leave. We look forward to hearing about how things have gone in week number one of being a father of a boy for the first week. His son Max born a week ago. So congratulations to he and his wife, Maddie, as well as Rosie, who is now a big sister. Uh, Mark Dykton been capably filling in this week for Kevin. Sam Fritz filling in on the big board. Matt Taylor going to join us just a couple of minutes. But before we get to that, Mark, you have been scouring the interwebs with a little bit of interesting news regarding the Colts and their Sunsplash Friday and how they're spending it. That's true. Quick. Quick shout-out, Sam. Love the heavy as the rejoiner music, by the way. Uh, yeah, Zach Kiefer had this to report uh, just about 20 minutes ago while we were on with Mike DiRocco. said, this is odd. Colts are not practicing today, instead conducting a walkthrough. Can't remember the last time they cut practice on a Friday outside of Saturday game weeks. Buckner, Pittman, Moore, and Pierce have all missed some practice this week. Followed by a Stephen Holder tweet that said, definitely odd. Here's the deal. My understanding is the Colts had two unusually physical practices on Wednesday and Thursday, so they're backing off today as they near game day. Unusually physical heading into the Jaguars game. So does that mean that they were just, as you know, one of the the buzzwords or buzz phrases for NFL teams when talking about practices, they always say, like, I'll be an NFL player. You ask me about, like, some sort of something practice-related during the course of the week, you ready? Go ahead. This is this is maybe more like early to mid two thousands vernacular, but I'll I'll try my best. You go ahead, ask me any question. I'm the player, and you're interviewing me. And what do you want me to ask you? Anything that you would ask after a practice leading up to you know just if how, you how do you feel scrum. after practice today? Uh, we feel good. I mean, you know, listen, we had a great practice. Guys were flying around making plays. You know, just guys flying around. Everybody's flying around making plays. Everybody knows that you know we know our jobs. We got jobs to do. We're all professionals, but guys flying around and you know and. You know, it's going to be good to get out there Sunday and, and hit somebody from the other side because this week, guys just been flat around making plays. So you feel good heading into week two after a rough start on week one? I do because we're flat around making plays. Man. Uh, so apparently, so I don't know whether that means guys have just been flying around faster and making better plays or by overly physical if it simply means that people have been physically dinged up. You know what I mean? Just there have been physical... It has been a more physically damning week for the Colts. I take it as I took the unusually physical as maybe the pressure has been ratcheted up a bit on West 56th. They know what kind of game they're heading into, so I think maybe they've hit each other a little harder, knowing that's they need possible. to be ready for Sunday. Yeah, that's, that's how possible. I took it. That's possible. Uh, we can find out from Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, going to join us next.
listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Good Friday morning to you. It's Kevin and Query. Mark Dykton in for Kevin Bowen one last day before he returns from paternity leave on Monday. Jay Query here. Sam Fritz on the board. We'll be joined by Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, in just a minute. We just talked about it, though. An interesting note from Zach Kiefer uh, regarding Colts practice today. He tweeted about 30 minutes ago, quote, This is odd. Colts not practicing today. Instead, conducting a walkthrough. Can't remember the last, ta- last time they cut practice on a Friday outside of Saturday game weeks. Buckner, Pittman, Moore, and Pierce have all missed some practice time this week. And Holder, uh, Stephen Holder followed it up and said, Yeah, I, he heard that they had unusually physical practices on Wednesday and Thursday. So they're taking a step off the gas. What do you make of that, Jake? I actually think it's smart. I'll be honest with you. Like if 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 you just do normally walk-ons on Friday, walkthroughs on Friday, or Saturday, whatever it might be. I you know, look, man. I'm probably the anomaly here, but my thought process I've always been one under like, what what are you going to learn through contact and full pads in one day at the professional level that you didn't already know? You can I would assume you can do it through walkthroughs. I think it's smart. Now, we'll ask Matt Taylor. Matt, who joins us on the Payless Sugars guest line, the voice of the Colts joining us. Matt, when it comes to the Colts taking uh, the day off, we'll ask you, should we read into that from a health standpoint as to what it means that the Colts are not practicing today? Yeah, interesting question. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll find out later on today from Frank. You know, Frank Reich is going to talk to the media after practice, or in this case, walkthrough. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting move. You know, it doesn't happen very often. I can't remember the last time it's happened in the in the Frank era. Um, so that's going to be interesting to to hear from him later on today about this move. And yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to deduce that going into this game you just want to be as healthy as possible considering you don't have a huge injury report in terms of length but it's big in terms of who those guys are right some key players with DeForest Buckner Pittman Shaquille Leonard Kenny Moore is on there as well um, so it's it's going to be fascinating to hear, hear kind of how the um, you know how the Colts got to this point but I, I do agree with you I heard, I heard the tail end of your your introduction there I mean on a Friday going into a game in the regular season you know, for lack of a better term, the, the hay's in the barn. And, um, yeah, there's really not – I mean, Friday's a light day anyway. I mean, they're, they're not in full pads, and there's not, obviously, full contact. So it's – I don't think there's going to be a huge difference in terms of intensity and what they get out of the practice, to be quite honest honest with you, compared to a normal Friday. So I don't think it's a huge deal, but we'll, we'll, we'll hear, you know, how they got there coming up later on this afternoon. It's not a long injury report, but just some key names. So I think, yeah, if you can give those guys an extra day of rest and just kind of take it easy, you do that heading into a division game against the Jaguars. Matt Taylor, uh, who will be kicking for the Colts on Sunday? They've yet to make an announcement of who their kicker will be. Yeah, same kind of thing. I think we'll find out later today. And if it's not today, if the Colts want to take another closer look at those guys in practice, you know, or after practice, you know, between McLaughlin or Haversick, um, you know, the last couple of uh, years – you know, I know it's been kind of a COVID thing. You've had COVID call-ups or roster moves, you know, guys being elevated from the practice squad to the active roster. That has normally happened on Saturdays, and time-wise it's between like noon and one in the afternoon. 
So we'll see if that's what what happens this weekend. Um, I, I'd be shocked if uh, you know we you, you, Frank just came out and told us later on today, but we'll find out because um, I think the Colts are trying to continue to evaluate that because it's been a short week as far as that's concerned, right? Because you made the move on Tuesday, you bring guys in, you sign two guys to the uh, practice squad in this case, and then you're just trying to figure out their you know uh, ceiling, you know what what. What you can do with those guys in terms of length and distance, who's going to handle kickoffs, um, you know, what are you what are you trying to accomplish on kickoffs with the coffin corners, you know, who who can handle those responsibilities, who do you feel comfortable with? So I think they're going to kind of take this slow and use all of the available time they have at their disposal this week, as far as that is concerned. Um, but it's two it's two interesting guys because McLaughlin was here in nineteen, right? I mean, he's been cut eight times, ten different stops in the NFL with eight different teams second stop here with the Colts and then you got Haversick who's just you know you know has has a ton of potential you know Arizona guy but didn't get signed after the draft uh was with the Colts actually during rookie minicamp but then continued to go unsigned and I talked to him yesterday in the locker room he's he's a he's an interesting guy because he was just trying to um, you know, set up a new house, um, and he was he moved into a new place in Tucson, I think, with his girlfriend. And then his phone rang, and then he got on you know a plane and, and rushed here, got to Indianapolis by Tuesday to work out with a handful of other guys. But big leg, you know, consistent over 50 through his college career, made from 57. McLaughlin's been pretty good over 50 in his career, but his bugaboo, at least last year, was between 40 and 49. Interestingly enough, so um, don't know just yet. I think we'll probably find out tomorrow afternoon when one of those guys obviously comes up in the practice squad you know mclaughlin um that kind of summarized my media career here in indy right like (laughs) right like five stops in five different places and you know stuck around i mean you got to be ready when the phone rings matt right and you were good from deep too (laughs) (laughs) that's right you can can nail him brother here's the thing and i'm going to get really freudian on this matt taylor the voice of the colts um And tell me if you think the Colts thought about this at all, okay? Rodrigo Blankenship was a consistent mid-range guy. We know that. But in terms of the power of the leg, things got a little iffy from 40 or 45 out. We we have evidence of that. I think that maybe works in, in the right situations, except for that when you look right now at the Colts offensively, their bread and butter and how to move the ball and move it in chunks in the fourth quarter is Jonathan Taylor. And the problem is when you're doing that, the clock is running. So you don't have a lot of time to go down and you you can't shorten the field much in late game situations if it comes down to that. So you've got to have somebody that you only need to get to say the 35 or 37 to give yourself a wing and a prayer as opposed to having to get it down to the 20 or 25 because the clock runs against you at that point. Am I way overthinking it? No, I don't think so, and I think I think that's every NFL team, and and, and you are correct. I, I will agree with you in the sense that when the Colts do go no huddle, they're not at all afraid to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor because you've got numbers, right? You I mean the, uh, when you go up tempo, typically you're in a passing formation, you're spreading them out a little bit, so the Colts have the numbers in the box, and they can give the ball to Jonathan Taylor, who who we saw last week in the fourth quarter ripped off what was it, four straight runs of at least 13 yards and got them right down the field. Um, so they're not afraid 
afraid to hammer the ball with Taylor and, and use clock, but also get chunk plays at the same time. Um, but I, I think it, it's just modern day NFL, Jake. I just think that, I mean, I, I, I say this all the time, and you're probably sick of me saying it because, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals last year, arguably their best player or one of their best players in their run to the Super Bowl last year was their kicker. Now, they got some breaks, and they had some moments where, uh, obviously, Joe Burrow had to make some plays. But, I mean, the Tennessee game, uh, the AFC Championship game, he is routinely knocking down huge kicks from 45, 50. And you're right, Rodrigo, just he didn't show that. He didn't have the propensity for that. And, and since 2020, he was just three out of eight on kicks over 46. And, you know, we all – as fans, we typically remember the big moments, and in the big moments, that's where he came up short. And I don't think this is the end of his career by any means. I think this is just the, the first chapter, if you will. He's going to continue on. And, heck, I mean, Chase McLaughlin is living proof that, you know, he might come back here because McLaughlin is back here after being beat out by Rodrigo. Uh, but, you know, you had the 33-yard missed field goal in the playoff game against the Bills couple of missed kicks last year you know one in overtime uh losing to the ravens this kick this past sunday so it's it's such a bottom line business it's what have you done for me lately that's why mclaughlin's back that's why they're experimenting here with haversick it's an important position um and there obviously is a lot of you know inventory out there only 32 jobs and so when you've got a guy that's not steady or showing some inconsistencies especially on kickoffs like rodrigo a change had to be made and now you just try to find the best answer in the in the short term and maybe McLaughlin or Haversick sticks and then they're the long term answer going forward. But no, I, I don't disagree with you because you, you gotta have a weapon at kicker and you gotta have a guy that you feel comfortable with in the two minute drill over the range of forty five. There's no doubt about that. Matt, did you watch any of last night's contest between the Chiefs and the Chargers? I watched the first half, um, and then I had to bail on. I was doing work, and then I just can't stay up late anymore. So uh, I watch. I did watch the first half. My my typical move on primetime games is I watch the first half, work, go to bed, and then get up the next morning and watch highlights on YouTube. That's yeah. that's usually my mode. Uh, listen, a couple of things here. Number one, uh, Al Michaels. When you hear him doing a game, Mark said this earlier. I totally agree. I, it. It could be literally whoever, and it sounds like a big game with Al Michaels doing it. Uh, I thought the broadcast was really good. I mean, it, it was odd for me as an old guy to be like, wait a minute, I forgot this is not like a network television thing. <laughs> but the one thing that jumped out at me was, Matt, the real win for Amazon Prime or for that business model is what they potentially can charge in advertising because while – they may not get the number of viewers at this point because of the fact it's not over the air, quote unquote. Once you're watching it, it takes so long to to get it to come up on your screen. One hundred percent. There's no there's no channel surfing, right? Oh. You're watching it. And you're like, well, I'm locked in now. You know, I mean, I'm here. I mean that that is. I mean, I thought about that last night because I did grab my remote in the second quarter. Uh, kind of a lull in the action, and I was like, "This is such a pain in the butt to get back here." Uh, in a one thousand percent, right? I mean, that's the thing because the commercial breaks are only two minutes, and I'm thinking, "All right, I'm going to check on a college football game or you know whatever." You know, because on on normal TV, you can hit the down arrow or you can hit the channel guide and yeah. just see what's on. Last, right yeah, back. yeah, the last button, right? <laughs> I think I think we're the last generation for the last button. I think, but uh, no, to your point, I, I think you're exactly right. It's just 
it's a first world problem, a hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, I was actually surprised. I don't know if maybe I skirted this or maybe you had the same experience, but I was fully expecting like a pre-roll. You like you hit the you know, the watch button for the for the stream, and you have like a thirty-second ad for a pre-roll. And I don't know if. I did or didn't have that. I, I didn't pay too much of attention, but that was in the back of my mind is I, I don't want to go away from this and have to come back in time for the commercial break to be over, but then have to watch another 30 seconds of pre-roll before I get this stream, which is all, all of these things are now in the back of our minds. These are all commonplace, whereas five, seven years ago, we, we weren't thinking this way. Another win for Amazon is just their content. Now they can compete now with Netflix and, and Hulu, and they're having promos for their content. They're the new yeah. movies or new TV shows or, or uh, whatever you call it, you know, series um, that, that is streaming on Amazon. They can pub the heck out of that. So um, it, it wasn't incredibly weird, but it was just a new experience of I've got this app on my TV. It's going to be up for the next two hours because it's just too hard to get out of it and come back and see what I want to see. And the other thing, if you're unaware, there's a Lord of the Rings series on Amazon. They showed it 500 times, so now you're fully, you fully. Yeah, they had like the little thing down there a couple of times to show you. Right, there are a few things, by the way, that that would interest me less than Lord of the Rings. All right, there with you. But rings are what you're chasing in the NFL. And the question for you, Matt, as I was watching that game, is. You know, Patrick Mahomes already has one. Justin Herbert, I thought, was outstanding. I mean, he's a bright, bright, bright young talent, 24 years old. And then I got to thinking about just the depth of young quarterbacks in the NFL, and unfortunately, they're all in the AFC. Yeah. You know, does that change the Colts' mindset in terms of the way Chris Ballard builds a roster of, like, win-now mentality versus trying to jump your hat in that fray, if that makes sense? Well, I think they're in a win-now mentality right now. I mean, I think that's why Matt Ryan is here, and that's why you, you know, continuously see the Colts not, you know, overextending themselves with trying to go out and get the franchise quarterback of the future. And I mean, not that they would do that anyways, but Matt Ryan buys them time knowing that the parity in the conference and the young quarterback play is here to stay in the AFC – I mean, just going into the season, you know, there's 16 teams in the AFC. Like, going in prior to last week, you know, not knowing the results of last week, who, who do you cross off? Like, there's seven teams that make the, 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 the playoffs in the conference. As of right now, who, who's, who's not a contender? I mean, Houston, maybe? Uh, the, the Jets? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's 13 to 14 teams that going into week two, still legitimately have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, a couple of years ago, all seven teams had at least 11 wins. It's just it, – it's crazy how stacked football is on one side of the ledger. Not to downplay the NFC, but, yeah, all these guys are here to stay, and you're going to have to contend with them. And that's why the Colts are being patient with – the quarterback of the future, drafting him when the time is right. You're probably going to have to move up high in the draft, considering the Colts have aspirations of, you know, finishing high with a good record, thus drafting low in the first round. So you're probably going to have to package something either next April or the April after that or pull off a trade for a Russell Wilson. Whatever the case is, they're going to have to be bold, knowing that if you want to get the guy long term, you're going to have to give up some things, but you have to do that when your uh, assessment is dead on, like this guy is our guy and here's why. You have to feel very confident of that, uh, but then you're also going to, you're going to have to give up some chips to bring that guy in. It's Kevin and Query, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joining us on the Payless Liquors guest 
hotline uh, heading into Sunday with the Colts and Jaguars. How important is it for the Colts to just get off to a fast start? Because we saw against the Texans, three right. now, just starting slow. How just, just for the mental sake of the Colts, how important is a fast start for them on Sunday? Yeah, no, it's it's huge. It's spot on. I mean, psychologically, I would love to see this team get off to a fast start. You know, get up 10 to nothing, you know, at the end of the first quarter, you know, or something to that effect. I mean, just just – you know, maybe I know the analytics say one thing, but maybe this is a case where you you win the toss and you take the ball and you go down and score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, to psychologically, to your point, Mark, or, or mentally sort of set the tone. Because I think that's kind of what happened last year. The Colts had a huge stop on the first on the first drive of the game for the Jaguars. I think the Colts get a sack on second down with Al Kadeem Muhammad, if memory serves. And then Trevor Lawrence gets a huge third down conversion. They go right down the field, convert a couple of times on third down. They score a touchdown. Boom, it's seven to nothing. And the plan kind of backfired. And then from that point on, it just was an uphill battle for the Colts. And they just didn't play well. They hurt themselves. And again, we don't need to rehash that 26 to 11. So, yeah, I, I would love to see the Colts. And I don't think there's going to be any problem with it, to be honest with you. I think the motivation's going to be there. Plus, guys are still peeved about last week not playing well and tying the Texans and squandering that opportunity. So I think they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder. They're going to be they're going to be mad um and they're, and they're going to have I I don't think you know you're going to have a hard time seeing you know pads thumping and heads cracking and guys flying to the football. Um Unique Ngakwe's going back there for the first time as a you know an opponent playing the Jaguars. Um, maybe the Colts get Shaquille Leonard back. That'll help the defense. I just think you're going to see the Colts have an edge and intensity about them to start the game that maybe they didn't have last week. Matt, is there concern in protection of Matt Ryan? Uh, no, I mean, the guy, what, he had 50-plus dropbacks last week, and, you know, the Colts only gave up a couple of sacks, you know. So, I mean, the the way that game went, they had to throw their way back in it, especially in the third and fourth quarter, down by 17 points. Um, so, no, I, I was actually pretty pleased with the protection and the run blocking with, um, you know, Matt Pryor getting the start, Danny Pinter starting his first career game at right guard. I was actually pretty pleased and, and happy with the offensive line. And I also thought – when his number was called, I've always said this. Offensive linemen in the NFL are like rookies in the Indy 500. If you don't hear their name, they probably were doing just fine. And I thought when Ryman was in there, when they and I thought it was interesting that they, you know, they kind of rotated him in. Um, but I thought fine because you're not looking at it going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And, and I thought that was uh, a tip of the cap to him. Right. Yeah. And he's going up against Grenard. He's going up against Jerry Hughes. I mean, Hughes specifically, I think, is one of the more underrated guys at his position in the NFL. And he's had just such a long, sustained career, over 55 sacks. And, you know, now going back to Houston. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, you didn't hear those guys' names when Ryman was in the ball game. Now, granted, it wasn't very long. I think it ended up being like 12 plays at left tackle and four plays as an extra offensive lineman. But you're just trying to indoctrinate him because – we all know he's he's probably the long-term answer at left tackle. So if for, for for whatever reason if Pryor goes down or 
at the end of the year, let's just say hypothetically, you know, Pryor's done with his one-year contract and you have to make a decision there in free agency, well, you've got 17 weeks of about 12 to 15 plays every week with Ryman. So it's almost like he started a couple of games without starting games, if you get what I'm saying. And thus you feel good about his you know, trajectory and, and, and momentum going into the offseason where he could potentially be the guy at left tackle. So I actually think it's a, it's a smart move for the Colts. Obviously, they're not huge high-leverage situations, um, you know, kind of in the second quarter, third quarter, but I, I think it's a good move for the Colts to get him snaps and sort of speed up his acclimation to the NFL. He's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joining us on Kevin and Query for a few more minutes. Matt, last one for me, two-part question, one on each side of the ball. How big of a concern uh, is the injury report at wide receiver heading into Sunday to you? And also, do you think Shaq Leonard suits up? I feel I feel good about Shaq. I'm going to redeem myself from last week because I think I came on here and said I had a gut feeling that he might play, and he didn't. But I, I do feel better about that this week considering he's been a full participant uh, both days. And then, yeah, wide receiver, listen, I mean, Pittman's been the guy. You know, I think he's going to be seven or eight catches every game. Last week he had nine for a buck 20, um, so that's huge. That's important, plus, you know, the, the uncertainty uh, – excuse me, uncertainty too with Alec Pierce – yeah, depth chart-wise at wide receiver, that's a big storyline later on this afternoon when Frank Reich talks. And then after that, it'd be you know Strawn, it'd be Patman, it'd be Doolin. Do you have to bring somebody else from the practice squad if Alec Pierce can't go? That's a huge storyline going into this game, um, specifically because the Jaguars have been honing all weekend on stopping Jonathan Taylor. The Colts are going to have to win on the outside, and they need people to do that if Pittman and Pierce can't play. Matt, has Michael Pittman, do you think – made because to me visually it appears as though I mean this has definitely happened but how much do you think or where did it what what was the genesis of him making himself a more versatile receiver because he's always been a big target but the thing I like about him now is he can break and all of a sudden go across the middle and be a big body just throw it up possession guy he can kind of get behind and stretch out a little bit you know, I, I just think that he has shown more tools, to use your term, in the toolbox as a receiver than he did at the outset of his NFL career. And where do you think that stems from? I just think that stems from growth. I think it stems from experience. And I, I 100% agree with you. It, it is He is not noticeably bigger, but you can tell he's bigger, stronger, faster, and I think more confident, and he loves playing with Matt Ryan because of the accuracy, and you know I think the scheme helps him get open at times, but also he's winning one, way more one-on-one matchups. The Colts are trusting putting him down by himself in the boundary or lining him up wide, splitting him out where he has to win. Hey, there's going to be, I mean, we saw it in, in Houston. There, there are cases where the Colts say, this is not a great play against this defense, but my Michael Pittman, you are our guy, and we need you to go out and make a play right now. You've got to win your matchup, and the ball is coming your way. It's going to be a contested catch. You need to make it for us on third down or around the, the, the end zone or the goal line. And he, he's just thriving in those situations. And so I, I just think it's continued development and growth and going into year number three and just having a lot of confidence in himself. The Colts having a ton of confidence in him the bonafide number one guy, and then also playing with an elite quarterback like Matt Ryan. All of those things, I think, have contributed to him being 
you know, a camp standout, a preseason standout, and a guy right away in game number one that catches nine passes and is a huge catalyst in that fourth quarter comeback. I lied, Matt, before we let you go. I got one more question. Uh, prediction for Sunday. I'm going to say it's a tight game. Um, you know, the Jaguars are – they're nothing to sneeze at at all. I think they're better than Houston. I think they're obviously better than the Jaguar team last year. They're deceptively better on both sides of the football you know, big uh, off-season acquisitions with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and then on defense, Foyer, Ola Kuhn, uh, Trevon, Trayvon Walker, the first pick out of Georgia, had a, I mean, what a breakout game he had with a tackle for loss, a pick, a sack in his first game, national championship player out of Georgia, as I said. I'm going to say it's a close game, but I'm, I'm, th- I'm saying the Colts win in a nail-biter. It's like 28-24, 31-28, somewhere in there, but it's going to be a great game and the Colts finally break through for the first time since 2014 in Northern Florida. Jaguars reporter Mike Draco, who we had on a little early in the show, just tweeted this out. Jaguars are 5-30 and 30 in their last 35 games. Three of those victories have come against the Colts. Yeah. Since, 28, since 2018, they're 4-4 four and four against the Colts and 11-47 and 47 against everybody else. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He'll be on the call on Sunday. We'll be listening. Matt, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, you, got, you got it, guys. Have a good weekend. See you, buddy. It's Matt Taylor on the Payless Liquors guest line. Time for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with college football, taking a look at the slate of games coming up tomorrow. You just heard Ball State. They're going to be home against Murray State. 2 o'clock up in Muncie, Schumann Stadium. Plenty of tickets still available. Would love to see you up there to see the cards taking on Murray State. Indiana's got Western Kentucky. Uh, Tom Allen decided not to clear his throat, but did want to talk about Western Kentucky's offense. Very, very high-powered offense that we're playing against, number one in the country a year ago. And uh, they have the same scheme, a lot of the same receivers. And so uh, just, uh, uh, yeah, we need that leadership to show up. Obviously got to be able to have a lot of guys contribute. Starts up front with being able to do a good job of getting pressure, not letting their quarterback feel comfortable, and doing a good job of, of uh, making sure that he, uh, he, he feels us mentally and physically. So that's going to be the objective. Has anyone ever actually ever heard Tom Allen's real voice? There's always just like he just got done <laughs> screaming at people. <laughs> he just, it feels just one big throat clear is all we need there, right? Just a little bit. Uh, Purdue and Syracuse, maybe. by the way, and Notre Dame taking on the Golden Bears of California. I appreciate you calling. I'm not interested in direct TV. Looks like. <laughs> Is that what he sounds like? I'm just assuming that's how he answers the phone and stuff, too. Week two kicked off last night. Chiefs edged the Chargers 27-24. The big play, the turning point in the game, Jalen Watson intercepting Justin Herbert. 29 or 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. Chiefs move to 2-0. They'll go for 3-0 next Sunday when they take on the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium in the home opener for Indianapolis. So we'll see how that goes. We've got the pop quiz coming up. Real quick, some baseball scores. Reds edge the Cardinals 3-2. to two. White Sox got a must win over the Guardians 8-2. to two. Rays shut out the Blue Jays 11-0. First time all nine position players were of Latin descent. Astros over the Athletics 5-2. to two. Indianapolis Indians fall the Toledo Mudhens 12-3. to three. It's a freebie Friday uh, for the hey, Mark, What do you got? We still got a little bit more to get to here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry about you that. You want to talk some racing, don't you? I do. 
Well, we, get on the line, though, for the pop quiz. We got 239-1070 Freebie Friday, Jiffy Lube prize pack, and a four-pack of Speed Drum tickets. Well, Jake, you, you have Speed Drum stuff. I do have Speed Drum stuff. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at the racing schedule. NASCAR is in Bristol. That's going to be a 7.30 race on Saturday night. Formula One is off this week, and, of course, the IndyCar season is complete. We now know that Will Power is your season champion after Alex Pillow won the season finale last week. But again, Cup in Bristol. But that is not the only racing of the weekend because tonight, everything, final USAC Sprint Race in Indy, this Friday, that's tonight, at Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds. The return of the biggest names in USAC, Amsoil National Sprint Cars, running in the dirt. There is nothing quite like, folks, nothing quite like, especially this time of year, a beautiful early fall, late summer. I know technically it's still summer evening. And just watching the cars go sliding through on the dirt. That's what you get at Circle City Raceway, all presented by Mastin and Kane Warehousing Services. Brady Bacon, C.J. Leary, points leader Justin Grant, all going to be racing, all slated tonight at Circle City Raceway. Family-friendly, great food, free parking, outrageous fun. You can find out all of the information, including tickets, at CircleCityRaceway.com. And don't forget, tomorrow night, the craziest and wildest Saturday night of the year is the Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speedrome. Powered by Lincoln Tech. It's the return of the school bus figure eight racing, an insane trailer figure eight race capped off by the carnage of a Speedrome Demo Derby. A full night of racing on the historic fifth mile oval, Indianapolis Speedrome, again, an institution of racing in Indianapolis. It's family friendly, also with free parking and great food and outrageous fun. They want to make sure that your kids are enjoying racing and that you're enjoying it as a family. For ticket information, find it all at speedrome.com. Pop quiz is next. By the way, Matt Taylor and his appearance brought to you by Shelby Materials, our conversations with members of the Colts organization brought to you each and every week by Shelby Materials, and we are certainly grateful for that. It is time for the pop quiz, and it's a freebie Friday. Scotty Johnson's walked in completely decked out in his Indiana football gear. Um, I think he's rooting for Western Kentucky this week by just the looks of him. Does the blob show up? Do we know? the does Western Kentucky travel with the little uh, red hilltopper fella? He looks like um, what 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 what's the candy that I'm thinking of? Dots. You ever had Dots candy? No, Dots is disgusting. But you've had them. You're familiar with. Them. I've had you them. Know and I know they are. I had them once, and I was like, never. You like again. it when they come in the little box Fool and Halloween once, just dots. three of them in there. Uh, Fool well, me once. The Western Kentucky mascot is a red dot. His cousin was at Syracuse. Was. Does Syracuse still have the orange fella? Do we know? They're just the orange now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this weekend, do you realize that both, like, you got Indiana taking on the red dot, and then you got uh, Purdue, they're going and taking on the orange dot. So his nickname is Big Red. It shows him eating a cheerleader. Excuse me? Yeah, he's got, like, a cheerleader Excuse in his me? mouth. <laughs> okay. Well, he does look like a dot, though. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Again, pass on that candy. Anyway, it's pop quiz time on Kevin and Query, the last one of the week. Freebie Friday is what that means just for playing. Not only do you get a four-pack of tickets to the Indianapolis Speedrome, you also get a free Jiffy Lube prize pack. So lines one through eight are loaded. Jake, pick a number. Uh, we'll go with number uh, – we'll go with four. Four. four Who do we have, Sam? Uh, number four is known as Pineapple Nick. Oh, boy. Here he comes. Morning, guys. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. I just finished the set of back extensions. Everybody in the gym's looking at me right now because they're like, "Who's this guy talking to?" Now, Don't what, worry, I'm what, on the radio. What gym are we at? <laughs> uh, 
I am, this is in Hobart. Yeah, this is in Hobart. Okay. Uh, Planet and, Fitness. And, and you, so you're throwing your ish around. How long a workout do you typically do, Nick? Uh, like two, two and a half hours. Really? And this is how many days a week? Uh, well, I continue my binder. I try to get at least six days a weekend, but, you know, sometimes I get up there in seven, sometimes it's four. It depends on how lazy I'm feeling. Uh, is the music always that loud in the background? Oh, I can walk away from it. I'm back in the, uh, uh what is this, the fitness training section. Okay. You're in the judgment-free zone or whatever it's called. Watch out in the locker room, though. There's a lot of, like, loose towels around there. Okay. That's good. Oh, man, one thing is when they hit Jake's age and they go in that locker room, they get more confidence than any other time in their life. <laughs> you know There it. is no – man, I'll tell you what. You walk in the locker room, you got, like, the 80-year-old dudes. You're like, come on, man, really? I saw a guy yeah, once exactly. – uh, there's there's usually a, a complete malpractice of the uh, hair dryers in the men's locker room as well. You also well. don't want to oh, be sitting God. on that bench. That's the one bench you never want to <laughs> sit on because you're in bird's-eye view of you don't want to know what. <laughs> okay. All right, Nick, here yeah, we go. You ready for question number one? Uh, All right, the Purdue Boilermakers travel to Syracuse to face the Orange on Saturday. Who leads the all-time series between Purdue and Syracuse? Purdue and Syracuse? I'm going to go with Syracuse. You sure about that? No, I'll go with Purdue. Okay. All right, question two, Nick. Jonathan Taylor ran for 161 yards in last Sunday's tie in Houston. Taylor was second in the NFL in rushing yards in week one. Name the only player to outgain Taylor in rushing yards during the NFL's opening week. Is it Tampa Bay's Leonard Fournette, Detroit's De- DeAndre Swift, Giants' Saquon Barkley, or Cleveland's Nick Chubb? I feel like it was Saquon Barkley. Okay. Question three. I could be going wrong. <laughs> uh, the Colts' tie with the Texans was the first for the franchise since the Baltimore days. The last time they tied was in 1982. When was the last time that the Colts had two ties in the same season? Was it 1969, 1967, 1965, or the Colts have never actually done it? Uh, I'm going to go with they've never actually done it. Seems like the odd man out there. A.J. Foyt won his third Indianapolis 500 in this year. Oh, so it was C? I forget which one (laughs) that was. 69, 67, or 65? 65. Okay. All right. During week one, 23 of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL were first-round draft picks. Only one starting QB in week one was taken in the sixth round or later. Name him. This should be pretty easy if you think about it. Don't overthink it. Oh, Tom Brady? There you go. All right, last question. On this day in 1953, the American League approved the relocation of the St. Louis Browns franchise for the 54 season. The Browns became what team, which, by the way, I never call by their actual mascot because I have a nickname for the franchise. Brewers, Twins, Rangers, or Orioles? i got to pay more attention to what you say, Jake. I have no idea. I'm going to guess Orioles. Your guess is Orioles. Would you have, have you ever heard me use a nickname for a franchise? I've heard you use a lot of nicknames. <laughs> okay. He still calls me Gary every once in a while. Fair enough. All right, let's let's, uh, let's look through the answers here, only because the background noise is driving me nuts. Uh, Purdue oh is one and zero all time against Syracuse. That was correct. He was correct with number two. Saquon Barkley of the Giants had 164 yards rushing, outgained uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Tom Brady was correct, and the Baltimore Orioles are who I always referred to as the cute fella. 
but it was 1967 in which A.J. Foyt won his third Indy 500. Next day on the line, though, we got a prize pack for you from Jiffy Lube that we will get you because it is, in fact, a freebie Friday. And some speed drum tickets as well. Uh, Nick, also good dude, texts me, texts me quite a bit on the uh, when I gave out my phone number. He was very helpful the other day when I was saying I had electrical issues. He was... Sh- He's a handyman, right? He's sending me uh, how-to videos. Yeah. So he's like, oh, you shouldn't electrocute yourself. I'm like, well, that's easier said than done. So appreciate Nick. Hang in there. We'll get your Speaking information. Speaking of electricity, yesterday I went um, and bought light bulbs. Yeah. I didn't realize this, and maybe you know you don't buy them that often, right? Uh, when did light bulbs go the way of razors? Remember when razors all of a sudden one day, like you went to buy razors, and you're like, holy cow, when did razors become $74, yeah. right? Light bulbs, same way. Have you bought light bulbs lately? Uh, I haven't had to, even though we had the new house. We already had some light bulbs saved. I got a four pack of light bulbs, hundred and thirty eight bucks. What? Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I kid you not. What, did, did they actually, never no. burn out? What it, did you get? Actually, what you're supposed to say what? Oh, all right. Hundred of them each, but no, uh, yeah. Hundred and thirty eight dollars for four of them. Oh, uh, yep. Boy, that's mm-hmm. high end. Then they better mm-hmm. never burn out or anything. I don't know. They turn themselves on. Is it the clapper? <laughs> they still make those. <laughs> yeah. I'm just $138 you. for four. That's, that's I'm just, wild. I'm just telling you. Yeah. I think you should have looked for a coupon or something. Well, I looked at, I was at the, I was at the, well, I won't say the name of the store. We mentioned it earlier. Was I don't it? want to throw anybody to the bus with the high prices. My goodness. There's got to be a, a, a saving somewhere there. It's a beautiful. Life. I mean, I know there's like smart ones and all that stuff. Well, Is that I, what you have? The, the smart ones? Well, they did my algebra for me. Yeah, it was nice. Well, that they better for that price. They better do your taxes I, I got, as well. I got to tell you something. I had the algebra test yesterday. The light bulb going off over my head was not one of the $138 variations. Well, maybe it should be. You'll be all right. A all right, we're going to wrap this up. We've got some Colts picks for the Jaguars game. We're also going to give out some plays of the weekend that we like. I've, I've heard from Kevin. I have heard from Kevin, despite uh, changing many diapers. He gave us some picks for the weekend. He'll give us – we'll give him – what am I trying to say? We'll give ours. We'll give Kevin's as well. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. What's happening on West 56th, presented by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. We'll find out in 30 seconds. Do you want to work for a company who has your back? You can count on Shelby Materials. Shelby Materials has 10 ready mix locations in central Indiana and is looking for Class B CDL drivers. Highlights include being home every night and every other weekend off during peak season. Shelby Materials stands behind its work, products, and people. We support our employees with competitive wages and benefits, including 401K, PTO, paid holidays, HSA, and a sign-on bonus. Learn more about your next opportunity by visiting shelbymaterials.com. Now, what's happening on West 56th? Brought to you by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. What's happening on West 56th today is interesting, and that is not a whole lot because in a fairly unprecedented move, the Colts have decided that they will not go through a full practice today. It will be a walkthrough only. And what we have learned is that would deny us the opportunity to find out whether or not Michael Pittman would be returning to the practice field. He did not practice yesterday with a quad injury. Kenny Moore also sitting out with a uh, hip injury. And DeForest Buckner with a hip injury. Those are the did not practices from yesterday. But limited in practice yesterday, Alec Pierce, he had a concussion. And then as well, returning to a full day of practice, Shaquille Leonard, who is coming back off of the back injury. Leonard did talk afterwards about that back injury, how he is feeling. Keep in mind that 
At first, we thought maybe there was a chance he'd be in limited rotation in Houston. That did not happen. He had the offseason surgery on the back. He also had the ankle issue last year. They thought the back procedure would help with that. So the question for Shaquille Leonard now is, how are you feeling now in comparison to the past? Feeling better than last week. Um, practicing um, pretty smooth. Um, so just want to continue stacking the days. Nope. Same deal last week. You know, just continue to practice and, you know, make the right decision when the time is coming, leave it up to the coaches, training staff, and uh, myself whenever, you know, I feel like I can go. So that exactly is what is happening on West 56. We'll find out later today perhaps the status on some of those that are in question in terms of their availability for the game in Jacksonville. Hopefully get some clarity on the kicking position as well. Chase McLaughlin and Lucas Havrasik uh, still battling out. Colts haven't offered any, uh, volunteered any information yet. We'll have an idea hopefully today once Frank Reich speaks to the media. You're going to think I'm crazy? Uh, besides from your uh, light bulb purchase, are those made in gold, by the way, with how much you paid? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... Now, they did tell me that they've got a lifetime warranty of 125 years. Well, then you've got plenty of time. So they will last longer than I. Well, you, you can you can write those like in your me, will then. Will like them to, out to somebody. Yeah, you want I'll me take to them. bequeath them to you? Sure. Okay. Oh, I miss Jake, but at least he left me these light bulbs. I still have 100 years left on them for the warranty. I'll take them. Okay. It's Kevin and Query. I'll be looking for him too, by the way. My God, Shannon, I think he owes me some light bulbs. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to ruin the mood today. Can you imagine but... if you showed up at my calling and you're like, uh, just out of curiosity, was there anything mentioned about the light bulbs? I don't want to be awkward, but he said <laughs> I could have these light bulbs. Sorry, Father, just real quick. Yeah, I mean, have at. I'm not going to be there, right? I don't want to be a stickler, but I would really like them. I could use them in my bed. You know, maybe, if they, maybe they would treat me like the queen, and actually it would take three and a half weeks for you to figure out what's going on, right? Probably. Wow. The funeral that just doesn't happen. <laughs> Jake Query. I miss that guy, but will he Dude, go in the crown jet? Can you, can you let me know doing? the specific arrangements? I've got light bulbs in play here. The worms are getting hungry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Okay. All right. So, well, besides talking about Jake's funeral, let's move on to the uh, some plays of the weekend we've got before we wrap this show up. Kevin Bowen chimed in i asked him if he had any plays for the weekend he also gave me a colts pick as well jake let's start with you though do you have any plays for the college football or nfl slate you know in terms of the nfl i first off let me say i thought last night's game was fantastic it was very good lived up um, to the hype i actually like this is a real a kind of a test game for me it's hard to see new england falling to zero and two and Pittsburgh's coming off a big high in beating Cincinnati. I think Pittsburgh is maybe decent. But I would look for New England to perhaps surprise there. So you've got the Patriots over the Steelers. Patriots are the favorites at the moment. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, I mean, it's in Pittsburgh, though, right? Correct. Now, you know what? I would. Now that you mentioned two-and-a-half, I didn't realize they're favored by the I probably wouldn't touch that. I think the Bears come within 10 of Green Bay. Yeah, I don't want to be a homer, but the 10, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, I know they've got some issues with the line. That was a one-game situation. But if if the Bears can somehow – I don't know if – I don't expect them to win. If they can somehow at least cover, I mean, I'd say that's a huge win. Uh, we'll see what Justin Fields and the Bears do there. So you're taking the Bears plus 10? Yes. I also will take Denver over whatever they're giving to Houston. 
Okay. Because I think Denver bounces back. I think Houston's riding probably a little bit too high. Real quick, back to the Patriots. Uh, I was looking just out of curiosity on like future plays for coach of the year. You know that Bill Belichick is the longest odds to win coach of the year in the NFL? You know why? I think part of that is because there there becomes a little bit of like a too obvious. Mm-hmm. And so – you always go with, you know, it's kind of like Peyton Man. You know, okay, how was Michael Jordan not the most valuable player every single year that he played in the NBA? Yeah. How was Peyton Manning not the MVP every single year he played in the NFL? You know, it gets to the point where it's like, man, we kind of got to give this to other people, right? But the longest shot, like over guys like Matt Rule, uh, I, I mean, that's stuff, fair. I mean, that seems cr- kind of crazy. But the, to me. but the problem with with Bill Belichick, credit to him in this, is that he is. He is almost discredited to his credit. In other words, we have become so accustomed to New England being there and being good that when they – we take it for granted. They're supposed to be good. Well, the Patriots this year, you know, with a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones, they went 11 – they're supposed to be good. Yeah, I think they've spent so many years on top of the mountain that they're actually in a valley now. Uh, just with Mac Jones and everything else. So I actually have the Steelers covering the two and a half. That's my play. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I've also got the Saints stunning the Bucks in New Orleans. The Saints are two and a half points. I don't think that there. would be a total surprise, right? I don't think it's a total surprise. The Bucks have some issues at wide receiver and on the offensive line. I think Brady didn't look too great in week one. I know, again, it's week one and he had some time off during training camp. But I'm going to take the Saints to stun the Bucks on Sunday as well. Uh, Kevin's. Lone NFL pick outside of the Colts selection. He has the Eagles over the Vikings on Monday night. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting game because Minnesota looked really good in Week One, right? Yeah, and but, I don't and I don't know if you have any college picks. Kevin's was he just has Purdue over uh, Syracuse, and I've got Oregon uh, covering the two and a half against BYU. Do you have any college plays? Um, I haven't looked enough at the slate outside of, you know, Indiana Western Kentucky is challenging because western kentucky can score score so many points i would just stay away from that one for that reason right yeah um think the hoosiers are a touchdown favorite at the moment but yeah i, I wouldn't play that what one. is notre dame cal i don't know you have to you have to let me look that up real quick i'm not sure because i do think notre dame you know i think the notre dame loss to marshall is an anomaly uh notre dame 11 point favorites see but the problem there is you got you know, you're obviously going with a backup quarterback, right? Right. Um, and you're 0-2. But I'll take Notre Dame in that game. Okay. And I don't like Notre Dame at all, and I kind of like Cal. As a matter of fact, when I went to uh, – I think I told you I went to – it was like an annual tradition, going to a Cal game every year when we would go out for IndyCar. They were home almost every year, and I, there was the coolest Cal Golden Bears retro 1982 Ringer T-shirt that I was going to buy, and I thought, nah, Jake, don't buy it. You, you'll never, you'll walk away from this. You'll never think about it again. I have regretted not buying that shirt for like five years. I didn't realize that Cal was double-digit underdogs to Notre Dame throwing out a backward backup quarterback. I, I might take Cal with the points there. Kevin might smite me, but he's not here. So we'll see. Uh, Colts, Jaguars, obviously the big one. Do you think the Colts get the monkey off their back in Jacksonville on Sunday? What's the line? Colts, I believe, are three-point favorites. It might have gone down to two and a half this I think morning. the Colts, yeah, I think they win in cover. I think they win by four. I, I'm telling you, though, I think 
Jacksonville's Jacksonville's defensive front does give me a little bit of concern. Um, and I do think they're going to try to involve ETN a little more as a safety net for Lawrence to try to get Lawrence going a little bit. But I just I, – I can't see – after everything that happened a year ago, I, I can't fathom. I think everybody in that building knows what this means to everyone in that building knows, what this means to the owner. I'm not saying that guys, like, get super pressure-packed over, like, one game like that. Nobody's going to get fired. People have asked me a lot, they lose – anybody can lose their job? No. No. But things get probably a little bit awkward. Um, I do think the Colts win. I will say, and this might be the same score that I predicted last week, which is a little embarrassing, but I will say 27-23 Colts. Okay. So you got a tight one. Kevin's got an even closer game than that. I mean, he's got the Colts edging the Jaguars 24-23. I've got the Colts winning by a little bigger margin, 24-17. I hope we're not all made to look like complete homers, right? I mean, we looked like idiots. Did you say you're going to the pumpkin patch in Chicago this weekend? Uh, Not Chicago, Homer Glen. So it's in Orland Park area, all that stuff. So that's where I'll be heading after the show. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, travel safe. Fun this week. Uh, Kevin Bowen back with us on Monday. Uh, And again, Jimmy in at noon today, John at three. Have a great day.